So in their house, there are so many pictures of Barb. So many. So many pictures. Like, I feel like they showed up to Shannon Purser's house and they were like, please give us every single picture. I think that what you heard me say was give me a lot of pictures of Shannon Purser as a child. But what I mean is give me every, every single. picture you have. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like reading anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hunter Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And for our fun fact for this lovely season two premiere day is what arcade game you are the best at or, or was it you would be the best at? Um, c clarify for me. I mean, okay. It, my original intention was, are you the best at? Mm -hmm. But I'm intrigued by your interpretation, so I want to hear what your answer is to would be the best at. Sure. So for am the best at, one of my friends in middle school, like, was one of those people who had, like, an arcade game in her basement. What? That's awesome. But it was just one game. Like, it wasn't, like, crazy no. Jeffree Star type stuff. It was, like, just one game. Right. And it was Pac-Man. So I... And obviously we could play it for free. And so whenever I went to her house, we would just play Pac-Man. So I would say that for the arcade game that I am best at, I would probably say that I was best at Pac-Man. Okay. But um, I don't think that Mario Kart is in arcade form, but I would be probably best at Mario Kart because I have a mm. lot of practice on Mario Kart, especially N64 version. Okay, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, this is very on brand for me, just to preface it. I'm really good at the Jurassic Park arcade game. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you do in it? You okay, like first of all, this is what I would do. In high school, I had a single class in the morning and then a break and then lunch. Which means I had like two, two and a half hours to do what I wanted. So I'd get on the bus. I would go to West Edmonton Mall. I would go to the arcade. I would get just enough tickets to, or coins to play the Jurassic Park game. And you sit inside it and it's like a shooter game. Mm. So you're like shooting off the back of a car at like Velociraptors and stuff. So that was the game that I was best at. Cool. Thank Solid. you. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator from sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. I don't have like a lot of experience being in an arcade playing games, but I do have a lot of experience with a Super Nintendo and we also had one of those plug-in Atari joysticks that you would just plug into your TV mm -hmm. and play. So I think my top picks for what I'm actually like really good at, we had a Super Nintendo game called California Games and it had like a set of eight different games you could mm -hmm. play. And I was very good at the BMX one. Okay. I could get all the way to the end. And I'm also pretty good at, I'm also pretty good at Pac-Man. <laughs> Yeah, like I, like I had like a list of a like classic. six things that I really enjoyed playing and that my brain just went through all of them right now. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. like outside of the format of like an a regular like arcade game, like mm -hmm. those ones with like the little like rings that you had to like press at the right time. <laughs> I was good at that oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm then also, the basketball, like mm, actual basketball. Yeah. Killed that every time. I'm pretty good at Tetris also. <gasps> yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Mm, yes. I feel like I would do my mom proud if I was good at Pac-Man and Tetris, which she excelled at. That's pretty wholesome. She also, I remember playing Zelda a lot with my mom. 
I didn't think I was very good, but my mom is a beast at Zelda. She had like an entire notebook of like how to make sure you got to the end because of like her own experiences right. of getting to the end. <laughs> See, I wasn't allowed to play video games as a kid, so the only time that I got to play video games was literal arcade games. <laughs> when the Game Boy, when like the Game Boy that I had came out, my like for Christmas, my parents handed me a Game Boy and handed me some games. <laughs> I. I'm so jealous. The only reason I was allowed to have a Game Boy Color was because we moved to Washington and the drive down from where we lived to Washington was like 17 hours. Mm -hmm. So we needed something to do in the car. And that was the only time I was allowed to use a video game. And we played strictly Pokemon and a Tarzan game. And that was it. Oh man, there was a tar Tarzan game on PC that I used to play when I was like nine. I was great at it. <laughs> you played the baby and you had to like get away from the cheetahs and also collect all the bottles. It was great. <laughs> That's wholesome. Oh, anyway, today we have more to say about episode 201 of Stranger Things, Mad Max. Hi, welcome to our podcast about video games. <laughs> this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons one, two, and three of Stranger Things. So for the title of Mad Max, it's a reference to the 1975 fantasy science fiction film of the same name. It also obviously references Max, which is one of the new characters introduced this season. Another fun fact about it was actually that, like, oftentimes Stranger Things will, like, hand you your episode titles, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. forever in advance. Yeah. But they, they usually change. Like, especially, uh, like, season three, I had the titles written down for a while. And then when it came out and I was, like, writing our notes and we were doing our, like, long form or, like, our um, short form sure, yeah. one that we did, like, they were, they changed quite a bit. And Mad Max, along with the Polywog, is one of two chapter titles of season two that didn't change in the final release. Well, what's the point of releasing the chapter titles if you're just going to change them then? Uh, I think suspense, mm. you know, to get people excited about it. I'm just like, if, just release something else then? I don't know. Mm. I'm just like, okay, that's weird. But anyway. I loved that, like, in season three, we were, they, they gave us, like, the Battle of Star Court. And that's yeah. one of the ones that didn't change. And I was like, ah! That's true. <laughs> Uh, cool. Welcome to season two. Hey, happy to be here. Great. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Welcome to season two to you, too. Thanks. Um, like we said, this uh, podcast does include spoilers for all of Stranger Things that is um, available up to this point, which is season three. You know, if you're listening to this in like some unforeseen time in the future where season four is out and you're like, why aren't they talking about season four? It's because it is years away. It is December 2019 <laughs> right now. Yeah, so... <laughs> Another thing about this podcast that's a little bit different from our other podcasts is that we allow ourselves to say swear words. I mean, if Dustin can swear, we can swear. Exactly. exactly. So, um, I... Why did y'all say that in perfect pitch? <laughs> we live together. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I censor out the F word, but other than that, we can't... They, they go wild. It's true. So, if you're listening to this one with your children... Maybe don't. Maybe don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It depends. I mean, I mean, Lexington like, says all the same words we do. So, also, yeah. use your own judgment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. So, we are going to get started here. We have split this episode up into four storylines, starting with the small one at the beginning of the episode, which is the vigilantes, is what I called it. Okay. Uh, then we're doing the teens, then we're doing the kids, then we're doing the adults. We usually do kids last, because obviously, um, but this episode ends with us, like, learning where Eleven is, and, uh, a lot of, like, Will stuff, so we decided to put that at the end. Yes. Yeah. 
So uh, we are going to start with the vigilantes. And basically the way that this goes, if you guys have forgotten, it has been a while, is that uh, we are going to summarize the storyline and then just talk freeform about the storyline. And right off the bat, um, I will tell you that this was not one of Robin's favorite storylines. Oh, this, uh, the vigilantes? Yes. I di- you know what? I didn't mind it right now. Mm-hmm. My main problem with episode seven, uh, which is the episode that's all about this storyline, was that it was like a bottle episode that was all about this storyline. Yeah. Like, if they had given me tiny pieces like this throughout the season, I would have been happy to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. But my problem... That would have been cool. Yeah, but my problem was that they gave us a huge cliffhanger at the end of of episode six mm-hmm. and then give us an entire episode about stuff that I I only cared about one character in. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So that's my whole thing with episode seven. I don't even know how I'm going to get through episode seven of this podcast. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just so filled with rage uh, still. So we'll see how that goes. But um, until then, here is the summary of this episode's storyline of the vigilantes. I'm ready, okay. Captain. All right. <gasps> Pittsburgh. Jesus Christ. October 1984. A band of thieves and miscreants commit a break and enter wearing masks. They get away in their van, but they are being pursued. But they are being. They get away in their van, but they are being (laughs) pursued by police. Callie, sitting shotgun, gives instructions to the driver. They go down a tunnel, and Callie, being revealed as number eight, gives the officers a vision of the tunnel collapsing, causing them to stop allowing Callie and her team to get away. Cool. Mm-hmm. Where's Pittsburgh again? Pennsylvania. 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 Okay. Probably. <laughs> where's Pennsylvania? Where is Pennsylvania? Scranton? Yes. Okay. Good job. Where is that? Uh, It's like up. It's north, north, northeast. It's like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Is that technically part of New England? Okay. It's part of New England. Okay. It's like three hours north of where I used to live. But it's not close to Chicago. It's not crazy far from Chicago, uh-huh. I'd say it's, well, let's just look. Let's see. Yeah, I was going to say, Americans think uh, crazy far distances are like, and I mean, we're the exact same way, is like, you know, a 12-hour drive. Whereas like in Europe, right. they're like, mm, I can't go that far. Uh, I don't know. I'm from Canada. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> me too. I know where Washington and New York and uh-huh. California. Yeah, it's a seven-hour drive. That's not that far to me. Oh. No, that's, oh, not that's too actually bad. not that far. No, yeah. that's not too bad. Okay, okay, interesting. Just because Chicago is really important, not only in this episode, but also like with the headcanon we have for Hopper previously. So that was uh, just a question that I had. Gotcha. And in and Indiana slash Hawkins, yeah. which is like right in the middle of both of those okay uh, places. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. October twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four. When's the last time you guys watched? Episode seven of this. The first time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and never again. Episode seven of of this, this season. season. Uh, probably about a year ago. No, 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 no. I rewatched the whole series in um, June. Okay. Because I was prepping for season three. So can you June. remind us if you remember uh-huh. what their whole thing is? Like why? Like why are they doing this? Like I. I vaguely remember it being, like, Callie getting revenge on, like, the people who experimented on her and stuff like that. But, like, what are they stealing? Why are her people with her? Like, do you remember any of that? Well, they're... 
the rest of them are not like test subjects. No, just Callie. Kind of like the little thieves. They're they're all like outcasts mm-hmm. of society. So like orphans and like people who've been rejected by a society. So I think they're like their main mo is to like stick it to the government and anyone right. who's like in a position of authority. So they like rob banks and they they do jobs like jobs are valid. like stealing and you know right. So, but we don't know what they're stealing at this point, right? No, I think no. they're just, like, robbing a bank or I something. I feel like at the point when Eleven gets there, that, like, that was so far in the past. Yeah. That, like, we don't really know, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think it's just supposed to be implied that it's a bank robbery and nothing more. Yeah, that okay. they're thieves. So, Rebels. Callie's, Criminals. um, this is weird, my sister's name is Callie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little jarring. And yeah. it's not a very popular name. So, like, it's kind of weird. Like, when, like, that girl on Grey's Anatomy was named Callie, and every time <laughs> people would talk about her, I'd be like, what? You're like, um, uh, that's my sister? But either way, it's spelled differently here, so that's how I know. Okay. But her thing, she's number eight, and she makes people see things that aren't true. Like, she she gives people vision. That is the coolest power. You think that's cooler than Eleven's power? Yeah, because I'm not entirely sure what Eleven's power is. Other well, than, like, like, telekinesis. Telekinesis. It is telekinesis. But then she kind of has, like, this, like, I wouldn't say telepathy, but she has some kind of, like, connection with, like, the Upside Down or, like, that black pool area. Like, she know kind of- Callie has one of those? Has a- I If she know. can, like, communicate that way? Yeah. We don't know for sure, but I would be- I'm interested to see if this- I said this to Brittany this morning when we were- when we were rewatching, but I'm interested to see if this comes back in season four just because- season four's MO seems to be like we're not in Hawkins anymore. Right. And like they didn't touch on it at all in season three. Which, which was I was weird. like weird. Which that I was th- really it's like they wanted to pretend this storyline didn't happen. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> which like I could I don't mind either way. I think it would be cool to see it if it was roped in in a storytelling way that I think makes more sense in the fourth season. But I also understand if they're just like, nope, we're done with that. Yeah, it's just like when you tell me that one of them is 11 and one of them is number eight, I'm like, okay. Where are the rest? Where's nine and ten? Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like like if one to seven are dead, fine. But like where's nine and ten? You know, yep. like I know there are people in between them. But if I remember properly, they're like they, like Eleven and Callie, like were together yeah. in in the lab and stuff. Yeah, so it's were. like I wonder where they are. And like if season four had ended with what was the cliffhanger at the end of season four? Or season three? Hopper. Uh, Hopper. Oh right. I have I have blocked that out. <laughs> um but like if there had been like some sort of reveal that like someone was 10 or whatever even if it had just been like someone walking by with like something on their wrist or something yeah. you know, like somehow like in where like Hopper is presumably being kept Mm-hmm. at the end of season three you know the american etc right if like there had been a guard who was like holding something and then like there had a number on his wrist yeah like his like shirt slid down or something yeah his like sleeve had come down a little bit and we like got a shot of that not even like seeing their face or whatever mm-hmm. like that would have been interesting um yeah because it's weird that it didn't show up in season three at all I yeah have, i think we will never revisit the storyline again I think because the reception it got. Because mm. critically, like, this episode, like, not this episode, but the storyline that this eventually leads to, like, like you said, because it was sort of a bottle episode out of the rest of the show, it did not do well in that respect. But the episode itself is quite a good episode. It just doesn't fit. So I think they would never do it again. I, I'm not putting it past them to go to go there again because they're, it really, I thought, expanded the world of Stranger Things. Mm. 
So I could see them somehow looping it back in, even if it's just as like a brief thing where Eleven's like, hey, I know someone who can help us with something. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. If they like brought like even just Callie back. Like, right. like maybe, maybe Callie has like experienced a loss of her powers briefly before right. and she can help Eleven get them back. I don't right. know. Yeah, I, yeah, my main problem was just that like, Eleven was the only character that I cared about. Like, that you didn't give me a reason throughout the season to Mm -hmm. care about anybody else in the storyline. And so then it was, like, just Eleven. And at this point, like, Eleven's storyline is, like, I don't care enough about Eleven to, like... Because they kept her separated from everyone else. Yeah, I don't care enough about her storyline to, like, just completely disregard the fact that Will just sent all the demodogs to the lab and it was a trap and everyone's dead and Hopper is literally right there. and And I'm like... Uh, uh, hello yeah (laughs) it's like i enjoy this episode but i also agree that it's like it's just very narratively jarring and i feel like they did they did the siloing thing so much better in season three because Mm -hmm. they didn't have any one character completely alone yeah they all they had them in groups that were entertaining like the entire season whereas season two they have 11 on her own the entire time or just with hopper which yeah. is like just it just doesn't work and no. boring for millie yeah love to hang out with her friends yeah and Everyone then they also having fun with joe keery yeah. <laughs> exactly and then they didn't exactly stick the landing when they brought her back and it was just mm-hmm. like okay yeah but they they did really well with it in season three so I love, I love the part where Eleven comes back and like, it's like the slow motion of her like walking and then Mike's face and you're like, this is great. But everyone also is like, why do you look like that? (laughs) Exactly. No, I love that scene. Yeah. Um, The one I was talking about not sticking the landing is when she comes back and they do that whole jealous thing between her and Max. And I'm just like, oh yeah. I was like, ugh, Mm -hmm. why? Like, and that's and another thing that occurred to Eleven, who has never been socially, like, um, integrated into, like, the crap that we put in other young women's brains, to be, it should never occur to her to be jealous. Well, Why? she, she's been watching TV. Watch TV. Uh, she's been watching oh soap opera. Wait, what a good, what a good commentary on what we've done. Yeah. Yeah. Inter- interesting. Yeah. So her powers to make people see things that aren't true. Would you guys rather have Callie's power or Eleven's power? I think I want Eleven's power. I'm like Callie's power on my bank account. Like, well, uh, that would work, buddy. <laughs> I don't think that would work. Yes, it would. I would tell the bank account lady, um, look at how much money I have in my bank account. Give me cash. And then she would give me the cash. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's not clear about what I, I thought you were doing. That makes way more sense. I, I like know. that. Or, yeah, you um, can, like, show her this check that you just got. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, you walk up to Disney and you're like, here's my ticket. They're like, okay. Yeah. They're not there, but you still got a magic band. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, yeah. I see. I can see the the value in this now. Thank you. Yeah, I think you might get arrested at some point, but I respect <laughs> you. No, I don't know. You're gonna have a lot of nosebleeds. Yeah. Um, I would rather have Eleven's power, but I would use it for much smaller things that she uses them for, like the part in season one where she's like, "That fan is annoying. I will stop this fan." Mm-hmm. Or like, I will close this door. Mm-hmm. Or like, I will turn yeah. off that light. <laughs> yeah, like you're getting into bed and you forgot to turn off the light. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Or like, Turn off! Yeah. or like, where did I leave my phone? And then you just think about your phone and it comes to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, we just want Accio. Yeah. yeah. I we just to, want to be I lazy. I refuse to call it Accio. I will not. I call it Accio. I call it Accio too. Accio has the word ass in it. <laughs> <laughs> so then I think that she's talking about butts. Um, to be fair, she sometimes is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 
she said, I see yo, yo ass. Like when Jillian split her pants and her ass was out on the metro today. That was funny. I bet it was. I wasn't there, but I <laughs> wish I had been. I wish I had been too. Um, I wish I'd been a bystander. Yeah. Only the driver saw it as well. She only gave it, she only gave the vision to the person who need, who she needed to give it to. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Do you think that guy lost his job? Um, I don't know if he lost his job, but he probably had to go through like some sort of training or like talk to the. Yeah, probably had to go to like the go therapist. To the therapist. Be like, why do you think you're seeing things? It's like, well, because someone put it in my brain. But of course, that doesn't make sense. So you look crazy, Brian. <laughs> Wait, wasn't his name like Adams? Yeah, they call him, they call him something. Well, Brian, okay. Brian Adams. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. His side hustle is interesting. <laughs> cool. Can we move on? Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to talk about the teen storyline. And I did the summary for that. So here we go. Love those teens. Love those teens. I love two out of three. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I love, like, okay, but in this episode, to be fair, sometimes we dunk on Jonathan a lot. But in this episode, very tolerable. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, do you have a segment in this, in this one? I don't. Other than who's the most badass male, but it's always Joyce. I added a segment. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't, I didn't see what it was, but I saw that you were adding one. You should be like, how insufferable on a scale of one to ten was Jonathan this episode? How many cameras? Like, ten cameras or one camera? I'm not mm-hmm. mad at that. Okay, <laughs> why don't we say how insufferable okay. was Jonathan this episode? And he'll be on the lower scale. Okay. This episode. Yeah, sure. Okay. Doesn't have to be a camera either. It could be like whatever is cute for the episode. Like how many Pac-Mans or how many. Yes. Sorry if you love Jonathan, just like, by the way, it's just that I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I have tried with this kid, but it just doesn't happen. Every time that I think, oh, I can warm up to Jonathan. He does something that makes me want to punch him in the teeth. I am going to play Jonathan's advocate all season. Not because I like Jonathan, but because someone needs to do it. (laughs) All right, so here is my summary for the teen storyline for this episode. Before school, in Steve's car, Nancy is reading Steve's essay for his college application. It is not very good. (laughs) But she's going to help him. He asks her to come over that night, but they're going to dinner with Barb's parents. Steve considers not going to college and just working for his dad, which would allow him to be around for Nancy's senior year. Billy and Max arrive in Billy's fancy, fast, and very loud car. Carol and the other girls are into his tight pants and ugly hair. After class, Nancy and Jonathan walk together. Nancy gets an invitation to Tina's Halloween bash and tells Jonathan he should come with. Jonathan is taking Will trick-or-treating so he can't go. Steve shows up, surprising Nancy. Jonathan walks away, dejected like a loser. That night, (laughs) Stephen... Remember when you were going to be his advocate? Package. Coming! Just because I'm being Jonathan's av- advocate doesn't mean that um, he doesn't look like a loser in that moment. Mm, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That night, Steve and Nancy head to Barb's house to have dinner with her parents. They have KFC. They're selling their house so that they can pay a private investigator, Murray Bauman, to help with Barb's case. They don't believe that the police are doing anything to help, and uh, they're not wrong. Nancy feels horrible because she knows that Barb is dead. She feels sick. At the buyer's residence, Will is drawing and Jonathan comes in. He learns that people have been making fun of Will. He reminds Will that being normal is lame and no fun. He would way rather hang out with someone weird than boring. Yeah. Nice. My first note in this is just Steve is not good at smart people stuff. No, he's not. He does his best. He, he can play basketball. He's smart. <laughs> he's smart in his own way. He's a great, like, Steve's someone you want in your, like. In your corner. You He will have your back in a fight. Yeah. And oh, he absolutely. will find a way to rescue you from whatever situation you've gotten yourself into. He's a very good strategic thinker. 
He's just also an idiot. He's just not good at, like, at school, which is, like, a totally normal thing for someone to not be good at. at. Like, academia is not everybody's cup of tea, and it's just not his. Now that I'm here recording this podcast with you, I'm thinking about how much I don't remember about season three. Because we really only watched it that one time when we were recording about it the first time in literally one day so I'm thinking maybe before we record next episode I think I'm gonna try and maybe during the holiday season uh rewatch the season so that I have more more access to that information because I'm trying to remember Steve I'm almost certain talks about college and working with his dad at the beginning of season three Mm -hmm. he's I think I think I I just rewatched the season yeah I can look it up too but I think he he just is doing a gap year or saving money for college. Right. Yeah, I I seem to remember something about working at Scoops Ahoy for money. Yeah. Yeah, because he's working, like, he. I'm pretty sure his parents cut him off because his, his dad sucks. Right. Sometime after the inauguration of the shopping center Starcourt Mall, Steve began working in one of its food courts, Scoops Ahoy. Okay, but why is he working in Scoops Ahoy? I think it's, well, it is summer. Oh, yeah, so right. I think, I think that they're... He and Robin are either not going to college, or they're going to community college, or they're doing a gap year, or they haven't heard back from colleges yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, they don't heard by then. Well, sorry. It's also American colleges, so like, there's a lot tighter like turnaround sometimes. Don't you usually know by the end of the school year if you're going to college? Well, like, it depends on when you did applications. Like, oh, okay. like he's he, like he he's was doing, doing of, yeah, and he does, doesn't look like he's doing a lot of applications. Like either. here, he was doing early applications, so like he should have heard back from something that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised then. if he didn't get in, and that's why he got cut off. Because like he also could have just not gotten in and like had to like reapply. Because you there are like three windows I think for application. Oh, okay. for different colleges. So like I, I'm not I just I can't remember exactly what's canon. Mm-hmm. But when I, yeah, when I rewatch season three, I'm gonna like take more notes on some of the things that we talked about, and next episode maybe we can bring up some of the things that we missed. Sure. But yeah, it, does, it looks like he's probably only going to apply for one thing, and he's and he needs Nancy's help. But then Nancy later this season like stops hanging out with him. So then, does he even get her help? Does he even send in his application? You know, right? I never even thought about that. I feel like he probably does send it in, but yeah. like he doesn't have Nancy's help, and I don't. I feel like Steve, I just, he probably doesn't have another outlet he feels very comfortable getting criticism from because he's already uncomfortable getting it from Nancy Mm -hmm. because, like, he knows he's not as smart as everyone else in stuff like that. Um, I relate to him so much. So, like, it would make sense if he didn't get it, like, get feedback from anyone else before he sent it in and then just didn't get in or Mm -hmm. got in somewhere else. The the moment where she goes, okay, so how do these two things correlate? And he goes, it may, because we both won. <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments. Like he's just like, and, and, he, and Joe Keery knocks it out of the freaking park. He's like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And like, at this point when we're watching it, like I also, similar to season three, when I watched season one, like it hadn't been like that big of a, it was a pretty big deal around, but I was like watching like one episode a day, you know, like trying yeah. to like, mm-hmm. like, uh. Uh, space space it out and everything but like by the time season two came out I'm there and so I watched season two all in one day as well Mm -hmm. and at this point when I'm watching it for the first time I don't like Steve yet you know what that's fair yeah we don't like Steve yet yeah we haven't learned to love him yeah he hasn't gone on his uh redemption journey but like rewatching it and getting this moment you're like you are so delightful sir yeah right 
like, you're great. Like, you're he just so means dumb well. in some ways. And that's okay. Like, how much time? It's been like a, almost a year, right? Since season one? It's yes. Been, yeah, it's, it's been, been about a year. Season. Yeah, because yeah. that's in the in Will's story. Yeah, and it's right, the right. anniversary thing. Yeah, yeah, it's been a year. And clearly, I mean, the last time we saw Steve was at Christmas and he was still with Nancy. Like, it's easy to assume that he's gone through some sort of transformation of character in this mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. especially after dumping Tommy, H, and Carol yeah. mm-hmm. and hanging out more with Nancy. It's easy to assume that he's probably a better person now. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to. And yeah. definitely realistic to assume that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I have a fun fact. Weirdly enough, like, there aren't a lot of, like, fun facts about the episodes on the Wikia, but I'll, I find all of my fun facts on the IMDb pages for the <laughs> episodes, which are, it's pretty cool. And one of my favorite parts about it that I'm going to continue on as a segment that we did last season was in between the storylines talking about the ridiculous goofs. Oh, yeah. That people put in IMDb. Like, the amount of detail that people go into <laughs> in IMDb is hilarious. It's, like, <laughs> annoying stand or t- Yeah, t- it's t- ridiculous. And I love it. And so um, that's going to be in between storylines. But here is a fun fact that I grabbed for uh, about this part. Mm-hmm. Um, in, t- in an interview, Joe Keery said that someone actually wrote Steve's fake college essay to use while filming the scene in Steve's car. He and Natalia Dyer couldn't stop cracking up because it was a horrible, horrible, horrible essay. Oh, no! (laughs) Like, it was just very bad. (laughs) Which I love. So very realistic. Yeah. But yeah, we kind of already talked about this, but the fact that he's trying to get in for early application, like, he's really trying to go for it. Like, he wants to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. He's just not good. He's just not good. (laughs) Like, academics is not for everyone. And um, it definitely wasn't for me. And, like, he thought that his essay was good and so he gave it to F- to Nancy and she's like I don't really know if this is a good essay and he's like and so then he just like is like I guess I'll just give up yeah, yeah and like work for my dad take feedback he doesn't like his dad his dad isn't good to him no yeah sad yeah <laughs> So Billy shows up. He Gross. has a California license plate, obviously, because they're from California. Mm-hmm. So Billy, this is our the first introduction to Billy. I'm out. Um, <laughs> I'm good, love, enjoy. Yeah. I'm going to be Jonathan's advocate. I will not be being Billy's advocate. Um, I just, like, can't do that morally. Um, yeah, you know? he, uh, he like, sucks. Cool motive still murder territory. I'm interested in talking about him when we get to the end of the season where we get that whole, like, Mm -hmm. thing with his father and everything. Like, obviously, we wouldn't need to have a conversation about that. But it's not really an excuse to act like this. So I can't support that man. This is so far beyond dick brother territory. This is, like, abusive brother territory. Abusive and racist. Yeah. At this point, though, we don't know that he's abusive and racist. So I do get the, like, wolf whistle sort of introduction Mm -hmm. situation because he's very much the exact, like, type of poster boy that would have been on every, like, teen girl's wall in the 80s with, like, the tight shot of his jeans and, like, his butt and, like, his hair is, like... It kind of reads as comedy, I think. I thought so. Like, you got freaking Rock Me Like a Hurricane playing. Mm -hmm. He's got, yeah, like you said, the tight pants and, like, the hair and, like, the weird mousy mustache <laughs> and so we're all like looking at it and like back then people would be super into it but we're like here and we're like ew <laughs> you look like an idiot and it's like i know that dacre montgomery is very good looking and he's also a very nice person oh, yeah absolutely but um no, no. <laughs> yes, i'm good <laughs> 
but it's supposed to be funny because you look back at it and you're like, oh yeah, the people in the 80s, like, that was, like, the height of... Yeah. Someone's gonna look back at us and do the same thing. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Can we move on from Billy? Yeah. Yeah, cool. The invitations say come and get sheet-faced. <laughs> <laughs> so I love how uh, Tina's like, I'm super cool, come to my party. Also, enjoy this pun. Yeah. Tina sounds like a fun friend house. Yeah. That's, that's very on brand for, like, something any of us in this apartment would right. do. True. So mood but to be jonathan's advocate for the first time um <laughs> this season i nancy is trying to like force him into coming into this like coming to this party mm-hmm. and luckily he already has an excuse but like maybe jonathan just doesn't like parties and i can relate to that yeah sure no, i didn't like parties yeah she's like oh what you're gonna do is like read a book or whatever and he's like that sounds nice yeah. And I'm like, why am I relating to Jonathan in this moment? <laughs> but I think, like, one of the interesting things is, like, especially when you're in high school, is people always tell you what the normal thing to do yeah. is. Like, you should go to parties, you should do this. And I'm like, but what if you just aren't really that social of a kid? Mm-hmm. What if you just left that kid alone? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, social activities are good, but not every social activity. And, like, I don't know. I think introverted kids need space. I really enjoyed parties in high school, but I also, like, I would have, I consider myself a part of, like, the nerdy group of kids in Mm -hmm. high school. Also, I just feel like our group of nerdy kids was probably bigger than, like, groups of, like, jocks or whatever other stereotypical high school groups there were. So, I really enjoyed parties, but I went to parties with a bunch of other nerds, so. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. I um, wasn't usually invited to a lot of parties, which was fine by me. The parties that I were was invited to, I usually went to, but that's because they were like birthday parties, like birthday parties of the more popular kids. And so like it was, it was a party, but it was also because I was invited specifically for a birthday party, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Or like parties to celebrate the end of show we did mm-hmm. so it was just like filled filled with theater kids so yeah. like that was fine with me but like luckily it didn't really bother me much because I had like you said I had a group of friends who would all like come over to my house mm-hmm. like once a week and we would all just like hang out and like watch movies and stuff yeah so like there's something to be said about that but I don't think that's what we're talking about with Jonathan because yeah. Jonathan I mean later in the episode he says <laughs> I have friends will but like who can name a friend other than Will and Nancy for Jonathan? Because yeah, like, I can't. Yeah, like, for a dollar. Right. Where? Where are they? Other than, like, your mom, bud? Like, for a dollar, name a friend. Your yeah. mom's my friend. I don't know. I I wish that they had explored him being friends with both Nancy and Steve yeah. more. Because, like, His the, for Steve is boring. It's boring, it's stupid, and it, like, shouldn't have been a thing. Because, like, at the end of season three, you see... Or, season three at the end of season one when they give when nancy gives jonathan a new camera steve knew about it and probably like helped pay helped for pay it for exactly it. Yeah. so he said like, like i think he says did you give him either the gift or our gift like he knew yeah yeah like there could have they really missed an opportunity to like have them be like a well, trio of friends yeah. or like you know but instead they had to go for like jonathan is the broody thoughtful one and he's the right one for nancy and i'm sitting there going no he's not yeah. I do have to say that the the moment where Jonathan like walks off dejected when Nancy's like making out with Steve, mm-hmm. I don't fault Jonathan for that at all because yeah. like oh, yeah, sure. it's not like he's out here trying to like stand around and just like wait till they're done making out. Like right. I would also feel awkward and just leave. No, you he know? removes himself get... from the situation. Yeah. He made the right choice. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm I'm gonna go to class. <laughs> but wow. Nancy 
Nancy says you might meet someone, which is like, so, I mean, if Jonathan does like Nancy still at this moment, like, Jonathan, like, has a whole year to be like, Nancy's still dating Steve, I I should probably live my life. Yeah. And, and he is. Sure. He's not, like, at, at no point this episode or, like, later, if I remember properly, um, does he, like, make a move on her when she's, like, dating Steve, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's only when, like, Murray points it out and they're, and then, like, it's, like, a mutual thing, you know? So, to play Jonathan's advocate, um, (laughs) never does Jonathan cross that line. Yeah, at least in this episode. I'm gonna have to go on an episode-by-episode basis. Yeah. Because I can't remember exactly how they deal with him bringing her home from the party. Yeah. He, I'm pretty sure he literally just, like, takes her home and then, like, Yeah, I think, leaves. I think that there's, I think that there's nothing, like, explicitly, uh, in the episode of him being creepy. Yeah. But there's also just a lingering bit of, like, him, t- like, when he kind of lingers there, I'm like, this man took pictures of her naked a year ago. Oh, right. And that's where they always lose me with Jonathan. Right. Yeah. But, like, also, Nancy isn't, like, leading Jonathan on either. Like, no. he, like he, no. she says maybe you'll meet someone because, like, buddy, take a... Like, this is even more of a hint than you already had. You right. Know? I think she genuinely wants to be his friend. Like, yeah, I yeah. think they just want to be friends. Yeah, and that's one thing that I do want to, like, give them a shout-out for is, like, they didn't have, like, the creepy, like, 80s teen thing or even 90s teen thing where this guy, like, pines for her and he's the good guy and she's the bad guy for, like, not dating him. Like, they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that at least is a relief. Yeah. So in one of my favorite Steve moments of the episode, uh, he shows up. And he's like, I missed you. And she's like, it's only been an hour. And he says, <laughs> tell me about it. I know. It's, it's so, so cute. Like, cute. you could, you just walk past it, you know, because it's like, okay, yeah, they're making out now. But, like, if you go back and listen to that, you're like, that's actually really nice. Yeah. yeah. That was really sweet. That's why I never bought the Steve as a bad boyfriend thing. Yeah. Because he's actually a really good boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Well, like, in season one, he he does have flaws. But he, like, even in retrospect, like, those moments are like, hmm. He had asshole friends, and he grew from that. Mm-hmm. Like, even towards the end of season one, you can see growth for Steve, which is yeah, great. Yeah, but, like, when they go to the party, and, like, Nancy all of a sudden lashes out at him for all this stuff, I was like, where is this coming from? Like, I think they really missed an opportunity to, like, anchor her, like, chaotic depression in Barb, mm-hmm. and, like, they made it too much about who she was dating. Right. Yeah. If they had had the line where Steve says, I was a pretty bad boyfriend... See, at the end of season one, I would have been like, well, I mean, yeah, probably, sure, sure. okay. But the fact that they put it at the end of season two, I was like, buddy, you spent all of season two proving that you weren't a bad boyfriend. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they just weren't right for each other. It, the problem is that, from what I can tell, they're really, they're really right for each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, the whole problem with season one was that everyone was like, Steve is going to hurt Nancy. But, like, after season two, I'm like... Nancy hurts Steve. Yeah. I was not expecting this. <laughs> so they go to Barb's house. It's for sale so that they can pay Murray, basically. Oh, mm, um, Murray. It's like, I'm confused because it seems like Murray is like really into this cause, you know, like yeah, he really yeah. wants to help. So it's like, how much is he charging? I didn't realize that that was like, I'm sure I just, my brain just went right yeah. over it. But I didn't realize that that's why they were selling their house. It's implied. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, they probably had to sell their house, they paid Murray, and then they downsized to a different house. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it all went to Murray. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. Did, he really needs a good excuse for why he lives the way he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. 
I just figured they were eventually selling their house because they don't want to be in the town where they lost their daughter, mm. question mark. But I never paid that much attention to it because I my attention for this storyline is very low. Right. Here's another fun fact from IMDb. It's just a small one here, but I thought it was worth mentioning. The dinner scene with Nancy, Steve, and Barb's parents is the last time Nancy wears her gold necklace, a main feature of her wardrobe in season one. Hmm. I wonder why. I don't even feel like I remember this necklace. I did no, not clock that I. at all. Weird. But how interesting. You know who probably clocked that? Fanfic writers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ma- like, maybe... Maybe it has something to do with Barb, and now she's, like, taking it off because something to do with Barb. I don't know. Like, I'm like, if she was always wearing it in season one, and they did have her wearing it in season two at some point, there mm-hmm. has to, it has to, like, mean something, exactly. but I don't know what it is. So, Murray was an investigative journalist for the Chicago Sun-Times, um, so I thought, oh, he and Hopper are both from Chicago, but... Uh, Hopper being from Chicago was just a headcanon of ours because it was mm, the closest yeah. it was big the closest city. big city. Um, so I don't know if that's like super explicit, but interesting. Hmm. Um, so they're talking about how a real detective will finally find Barb and they finally have hope. And of course, this makes Nancy feel absolutely sick because she knows that this hope is false because she knows that Barb is dead. Yeah. And the shade against Hopper, all of us are like, hey, you leave Hopper alone. But yeah. like, if you were these parents, yeah. you think, wow, that man's incompetent. I know. And, and it's because he knows that Barb is dead too. But, and like, what can he do lawfully right. to prove it or whatever? You know, like, they I mean, don't have any evidence I mean, that they can share. How could you say some, like, monster from an alternate universe ate your daughter. Like, how do you tell people that and not get, like, immediately punched? Mm-hmm. And, or, like, how do you even, like, what even fake cover story do you come up with? Like, was Barb hit by a car? Was she, like, taken? Was yeah. she, like, they don't have a body, mm-hmm. so they don't have, like, they can't give the family an answer. I think it's interesting that they're, like, Murray is going to actually do the work, Hopper won't do the work, and Murray will finally do the work. Mm-hmm. And what does Murray do? Go to Hopper. He goes to Hopper. <laughs> so, like, what are you paying him for? Right. And, like, he doesn't even do the work either. Like, he's he's doing some stuff. But when Jonathan and Nancy finally show up to his house, they're the ones that have to crack the case for him. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like... Well, I mean, they had all the answers to begin with. Like, yeah. he's an outsider. True. So he doesn't True. have the answers. Yeah. So, like, it's just interesting to see that perspective on, like, how exactly, how how much an outsider who's paying attention mm-hmm. can gather. Yeah. And how much they got wrong. Right. So, the use of the phrase KFC, mm-hmm. like, Kentucky Fried Chicken is what it was called. Yeah. But calling it KFC wasn't actually established until 1991. Oh, really? Yeah. And so there was actually a thing on IMDb about that. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, hmm, interesting. I'm going to mention that. And then there was another thing. <laughs> Which I think is really interesting. When Nancy and Steve have dinner at the Hollands, they're eating Kentucky Fried Chicken, and Steve says, I love KFC. While the show is set in 1984 and Kentucky Fried Chicken did not start using KFC as a brand name until 1991, the abbreviation was a common expression among oh. consumers for many years prior to the official change. So technically, technically. we're okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, they got us. And then they were like, actually, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That I when we were watching this this morning, he was eating those mashed potatoes, and I was like, I want KFC so bad. <laughs> I love KFC. It's delicious. I don't like anything with bones on it though, but I will crush some popcorn chicken. Oh, absolutely. They have the best honey mustard. Oh, yeah. and I'll say it. That they have those like five dollar bowls mm-hmm. of like mashed potatoes and gravy and like chicken tenders, and oh, they're so good. Where's the closest KFC <laughs> to us? I don't I, know. I need to know. <laughs> Let me just um check. Let me just say, as Steve said, it's, it's finger, finger looking, looking good. good. 
There's one on Davy Street. Oh, on our no. street. That's dangerous. It's right there. Excuse me. <laughs> so in their house, there are so many pictures of Barb. So many. So many pictures. Like, I feel like they showed up to Shannon Purser's house and they were like, please give us every single picture. I think that what you heard me say was give me a lot of pictures of Shannon Purser as a child. But what I mean is give me every Every picture you have. (laughs) Yeah, that was all like, I get it. Because I feel like that was a thing like all through my childhood as well. Like not to that extent, Mm -hmm. but like, I get it. It makes sense. Yeah, And like, they probably got out even more for, like, her funeral or something. Right. Or, well, did they have her funeral? No, yes, they don't. they had a funeral. At the end of season one? No, at the end of season two. Okay, so they haven't had it yet. No. Wait, I thought they had Barb's funeral in season three. And Bob's funeral's at the end of season two. No, Bob no. doesn't get a funeral. Oh, sad. No, it's at the end of season two when they're, like... When they're with- dropping the, t- the the tape or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's like right. Yeah, it's, like, the end when, like, they're just kind of wrapping up all the storylines. Yeah. Anyway, my thought process was that they had gotten them out for the funeral and then just not put them away because they missed her. Oh. Um, but they haven't decided that she's dead yet, so that doesn't make any sense. They just really love looking at their kid. Right. I was a little annoyed when I was watching this for the first time because I was like, you know why this happened? Because everybody made such a freaking garbage storm all about justice for Barb. Yep. Like, I was there for justice for Barb. Like, I get it. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, people made such a stink that we had a whole heckin' storyline about Barb this season. Yeah. I mean, I'm torn between liking that they didn't just kill off a character for no reason and then forget her. And thinking- it, wasn't for ju- it wasn't for no reason. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like, where, like, you don't want to just forget a death. Like, death has meaning in this yeah. universe. And so I really like that aspect. Sure. It's just that they also used it as a vehicle to hook Jonathan and Nancy up, and that was gross. Yeah. Right. And they didn't, like, Barb's storyline wasn't about Barb, it was always about Nancy. Right. Well, which makes sense, because Nancy's alive and Barb's dead. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know, I've, I just wish that if they had done, like, I, I, I agree with you, I like that the that death, her death mattered past when it happened. And I like that they also continue that in season three with Bob's death still affecting yeah. uh, Joyce. But I like how they did it with Bob and Joyce in season three and how it was just sort of like a subtle like mm-hmm. thing that still affects her decisions and like her how she remembers him. And I, I, I still think they could have done it to this intensity with Nancy, but that it shouldn't have it shouldn't have been about who she was dating. It should have been about Nancy lost someone who was very important to her in a way that she's legally obligated to not speak about to anybody. And that's messing her up. Yep. Like if she had mentioned it a few times and like if we had had Murray come in and been like, I'm I'm trying to investigate the death of Barbara Holland, then it would have been like, okay, so Barbara's still here. But like this just feels heavy handed. Yeah. Yeah. I understand though why we have the scene where Nancy is crying because like looking back on it, like, Barb was her best friend, presumably yeah. for like years. Yeah. Uh, and she probably and she probably feels really responsible because she's mm-hmm. the one who like asked Barb to come to the party with her. Yeah. Oh, and I like, feel like she absolutely feels like survivor's guilt yeah. and like guilt for take taking her to that party in the first place. Mm-hmm. And like her poor parents now she's watching them like like literally sell their lives to try and find out a truth that she knows yeah. and can never and tell she, them. Right? Yeah. Like they're gonna destroy their own lives trying in the pursuit of like a lie, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like there's so much guilt and like shame mixed in with that and she literally can't talk to anybody about it. So that's like gotta hurt. Yeah. Um so moving on from that, I really liked a moment where 
we learn in the adult storyline that it's Jonathan's turn to choose the movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when Jonathan walks into Will's room, he asks Will to choose the movie. Because, mm. um, like, he just, like, picked out a bunch from the rental store, and he, he but he wants Will to actually choose. He's a, right. good, he's a good brother. He is a good brother. So I noticed that Will lists everyone but Mike as someone who treats him like a baby. And the beginning, well, mostly, like, through all of this season, there's a mm-hmm. lot of Will and Mike content. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of talk about Will potentially being gay and they kind of like brought that to a head in season in three. season three yeah. which yeah, i yeah, thought yeah. was really interesting because i always knew that like noah would be up for it either way like oh he, yeah he would be he would do it yeah um but and i kind of do see the beginnings of that like even if the writers didn't mean to do that this season there is a lot of it there oh, yeah they lay a lot of yeah there's yeah. a lot of unintended subtext yeah totally like they have conversations where they talk about being different and insecure and mm-hmm. stuff and like you know the moment in the hospital bed when he's like that's my friend mike and you know there's yeah. this whole thing and then the fact that in season three mike's the one to be like like shoot him down for that thing yeah is painful but like i also like but really just like mike in season three but it's mike also in season three is hard yeah. to swallow mike in season two and three yeah you know mine are yeah, so right, right, right. but i i think it also kind of makes sense because mike may have been the only one still to see that side of will mm. um like i don't think that i don't think that necessarily that will had a crush on mike per right. se or sure. like pursued anything there right but like mike and will have a friendship that's just a like more of a connection maybe than the like with anybody else because they're like they're best friends right. you know what i mean yeah and so i feel like maybe at that point mike had been the only one that sort of like actually figured it out mm-hmm. that like will not liking girls is like a specific thing and not just mad that his friends all have girlfriends and he doesn't right so i think that that's sort of what is implied there and I and like at this point in history it's so taboo to talk about Mm -hmm. and well at least at least it's getting less yeah it's getting better but yeah I think are we talking about the 80s or now (laughs) I'm talking about the 80s okay I think because Hawkins is a small town it's harder yeah because like if they had lived in Chicago sure because they know, I, would I, probably have, like, seen drag queens. I guess my question is, like, how, like, Mike probably doesn't have the vocabulary to even talk about that. That's probably. why That's why what he says is, like, it's not my fault that you don't like girls or something. Right. Like, or something like that. But, yeah. So, like, it makes sense that it comes off harsher than it needs to. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely see the, like, seeds of that in season two, especially. Like, even in season one, I'm pretty sure on a pod that I guested on in season one... I mentioned, like, them very carefully, if not intentionally, incidentally, laying the seeds that Will might be gay from, like, the very beginning. And I I appreciate that they finally, like, actually acknowledged it in canon. And I think even more than season one, you can tell in season two, because, like, there are these little moments, like you said, with, like, them feeling like outsiders. And, um, like, the fact that he would rather draw than do yeah. other things. And, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but... <laughs> And like, and the, there's this a scene later in the season where like Mike gets when they're all giving Will reasons to like be himself. Yeah, yeah. Like Mike sits down and is like talking about how Will came up to him and like was his first friend and like made him feel included and like just little things like that. I'm like, I see it. Mm-hmm. Will knows that he's a freak, and 
obviously, like, freak isn't the best word, but, like, bro, like, you kind of came back to life. Like, you gotta know that that's a little weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Might as well just lean right into it. Yeah. Jonathan doesn't have any friends. For a dollar, name a friend other than Nancy and Will. But he says Will is his best friend. That's really cute. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about how Bowie and Kenny Rogers, like, the difference between Bowie and Kenny Rogers and how Bowie is way more interesting. And, of course, then Bob shows up and is just like, I, I love, love Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Rogers. That's his heart. <laughs> Not to be that person, but I love both Bowie and Kenny Rogers. I love Thank that you. for you. That's the bisexual opinions. Yeah. So that's what I had for the teen storyline. That took much longer than I expected. Yep. But I had a lot of thoughts. Um, before we move on to the kids, uh, I wanted to give you guys some oopses. Oh, here we go. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to start every single one with, um, actually. <laughs> what have the weirdo fanboys come up with? Yeah. Here we go. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Actually, the periodic table in Mr. Clark's classroom would not have existed in 1984. It lists many elements that were only discovered and named since that time, and it indicates proposed elements that had not been proposed yet. Oh my god. Mm. This kind of stuff is ridiculous. Actually, Dig Dug, Centipede, Galaga, and Pac-Man all have LCD screens, which are not widely available or used in arcades until almost 20 years later. <laughs> um, actually, the walkie-talkies the police use are modern Motorola HT-1000s that were first used around 1994. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, actually, when Billy Hargrove is introduced, several girls are leaning against a Mustang, checking him out. The scene that took place in 1984, but the Mustang the girls were leaning against is a 1986 model! Oh my god. I hate this. Um, actually, set in 1984, the song Just Another Day by Oingo Boingo is featured, which was not recorded or released until 1985. That one's fair. Okay, yeah. that I'll allow. That's more, a that, that and the car one are slightly more noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, the beginning of movie night scene starts with a shot containing common recording and timestamp indicators used in portable camcorders. However, the beta movie Bob is using to film was only released with an optical viewfinder. Shut up. Oh my god. Um, actually, the beginning car chase happens in October of 1984, but the three police cars that pursue the van are Chevrolet Caprices. Caprison? As denoted by the front grille and hubcaps, the Caprice did not exist in 1984, but was first offered in late 1985 for the 1986 model year. The three police cruisers also have a Federal Signal Street Hawk light bars on top, which were also first produced in 1986. I'm so done with whoever did this. I want to punch you in the teeth. Oh, actually, the original Dig Dug High Score table only allows three initials, yet this one has six? I'm so angry right now. Um, <laughs> actually, all the arcade games are missing their Indiana coin-operated amusement tax licenses stickers, which should have been stuck to the marquee. What? Is someone, is someone doing this like what? as a joke now? This has to be a joke. Oh, actually, the gameplay for Dragon Slayer is much different than what is shown. What Dustin is playing is actually the animation used to promote the game, which was first announced for arcade and consoles. Okay. That one's fine. All right. That one doesn't make me want to punch anyone. That's it. Okay, so okay. whoever did that, if you're listening to this podcast, you are the type of nerd <laughs> that I want to bully, and I'm <laughs> a nerd. So that was, uh, I think I need to find a name for that segment. But, yeah, uh, you can just call it um actually. Yeah, that's I think college humor might have that copyrighted, but I think it's really? about well actually. No, it's called um actually. It's a game show. I'm Remember? just saying, like you could use oh. well actually. Oh right, right, sure, that's true. All right, so we're gonna talk about the kids now. Woohoo! That made me want to freaking scream. <laughs> like the rage I feel at the nerd details. Like shut up, shut up. <laughs> I'll bully you. Okay, we're talking about the kids now. Mm. Surprisingly, like. As much as, like, there is kid content, they don't do a lot except 
find out who Max is. Yeah, yeah. Like stalk her a little bit. Okay. Dustin scrounges for arcade money. Lucas is responsible and worked for his, and Mike steals some from Nancy. They hit up the arcade and discover someone named Mad Max beat all their high scores. Will has a flash to the upside down, and it is looking a little rough. At school, Will finds a note in his locker that says zombie boy. Kids suck. Mr. Clark introduces a new girl to the class whose name is not Maxine. Thank you very much. She goes by Max. The boys think she has to be Mad Max and decide to spy on her, which she totally catches them at. Bless their hearts. Dustin and Lucas confirm that Max is totally Mad Max and they're both into her. Mike packs up some toys for the yard sale that remind him of Eleven. He tries calling her on the radio, but he gets Dustin instead. Dustin hears a weird sound outside his house, but I'm sure that's nothing. Will gets up in the middle of the night to pee. He sees the upside down out front door with a big ass creature in the distance. No, thank you. No, thank you. So, not too much in here, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mostly, not a lot of... Kids want to go to arcade, go to arcade... Have asses kicked. Find out who kicked their asses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my first note for the storyline was just that I love Dustin and his mom. Yeah. Their uh, energy and um, what's it called? Their chemistry yeah. as mother and son is like great. It's, it's very good. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. The fact that like she's just sitting there holding Muse being like, you're scaring Muse. I'm like, and, like, ah! and like he's so chaotic and she's like, just matches his energy in a really fun way. It's really nice to see because we didn't get her at all in season one. So like now you get to see where Dustin got it. You're like, Dustin is so eccentric. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did this happen? And then you see his mom and you're like, ah, Ah, yes. I also think this like little moment of how they each get money for the arcade is like such a personality test. Yep. Tell me. Because it's just like Dustin waited till the last minute and he's like searching through couch cushions and like digging through like where else you would find change. Lucas like came in with a plan Mm -hmm. and went and got money by doing a job. He worked Because like logically that makes the most sense as the most easy way to like get cash and Mm -hmm. have it easily accessible and then mike is a jerk and steals from his sister Mm -hmm. and i feel like will because he gets dropped off by his mom probably was given like four dollars by his mom which is like just really sweet yeah probably joyce gave him money yeah um so i did some adjusting for inflation okay Mm -hmm. so old man humphrey gave him five dollars yes right and i think dustin or mike I can't remember who, I think it was Dustin, who was like, well, old man Humphrey has $5? Right. Of course, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, Adjusted for inflation, he paid him about $12.38. So that's kind of a lot for for a mobile. For a 12-year-old kid? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mike, of course, is chilling on the wrong channel, like he always does. I think it's funny that, like, later in the episode, he's like, I've been trying to reach you all day. What are you doing on this channel again? I'm like, so you know that he hangs out on that channel. So, like, why wouldn't you just go to that channel? Mike says he'll pay Nancy back, but he absolutely will not. No. No. Um, Joyce coddles Will now. Would you really blame her? Yeah. I mean, I feel like she probably was like that the whole time, and now she's just a little more protective. Yeah. Anyway. And I, I, I like that she does it, though, in a way that's like, she's obviously very protective and very careful with him, mm-hmm. but she's also not saying you can't go to the arcade because I right. think you're going to get it snatched. Yeah, in. she's not like, invalidating. She's absolutely letting him still do everything he would have done anyway mm-hmm. but she's just nervous yeah like she'll put him on the bike he just has to have the helmet on right. yeah so they're gonna play dragon slayer and i have some um things from imdb about dragon slayer okay um actually <laughs> uh dustin refers to the arcade video game dragon slayer as overpriced dragon slayer was the first arcade game to charge 50 cents even one dollar in some markets per play breaking the 25 cent norm mm. wow so that is a really cool detail they put in there 
because the fact that he calls it overpriced, it's because it's one of the first ones that were more expensive than the others. Man, you know some writer had that opinion, like, even back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some more things from IMDb. At the arcade, Dustin and Lucas compete in the arcade video game Dragon Slayer to rescue Princess Daphne, where Lucas wins. This foreshadows events later in the season. Dustin and mm. Lucas compete for the affection of Max, with Lucas and Max kissing in the finale. Interesting. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, and then lastly, about the arcade uh, that I found for trivia, in an interview with the Duffer Brothers, they said they were never big fans of the arcade game Dig Dug, but chose to feature it in the arcade scene because it nicely foreshadowed the tunnels coming from the Upside Down. Yeah, oh and don't they, don't they name an episode Dig Dug? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Man, they really commit to it, don't I'm, they? I'm pretty sure that episode is like my favorite of season mm-hmm. two. Yeah. I like whichever one is with, is with Steve and the kids in the bus. That's my favorite episode. I think it's like, I think it's six. I like like how predictable like our choice of favorite episode (laughs) storylines are because I'm not entirely, I'm pretty sure that's the same episode. But the reason that I remember it is Joyce and Hopper and Bob and going to like get into the tunnels. Mm -hmm. Is that the same one where Nancy and Jonathan have their weird teenage angst thing? It might be. Probably. But but I don't hate that enough to 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 dislike the episode. Because the ep- rest of the episode is so good. Whereas, uh-huh. like, I hate it so much that I have such fond memories of those plot lines mm-hmm. that I'm like, I freaking hate that episode. Right. <laughs> Only because of that plot line. Yeah. Um, they think that Mad Max is Keith. I mean... Oh, boy. Now, Keith is the one who ends up working at the video store to yes. hire Steve. Yes, yes okay. absolutely. But Keith has a crush on Nancy. And I think that later in the season, Lucas needs to get Max into the back of the arcade, and mm-hmm. he promises Keith a date with Nancy Right. Um, to do that, and I doubt he ever got his date with Nancy. Oh, he I absolutely he did not get his I date hope, with yeah. Nancy, and he did not deserve it. No. <laughs> Any man who tries to manipulate his way into dating a woman, even though she obviously wouldn't date him and mm-hmm. has already clearly turned him down? Yeah. Trash man. Yeah. Um, right, like, also, if you want to date her, go ask, you idiot. Yeah. And also, he must know she's already dating someone. Right. Literally. Ugh. She literally has a boyfriend at every moment that he tries to, like, like... hi, I'm Keith, and what I assume is that Mike will go home and say, Nancy, I know that you have a super hot, super athletic boyfriend, but I need you to go on a date with Keith so that he can sweep you off your feet so that I can do something. So that I can play more video games. <laughs> Like, the audacity of that is, like, literally shut up. Yeah. (laughs) Dustin gives Keith the finger, and uh, (laughs) I just love Dustin. Yeah, Nancy's fully in a relationship. $2.50 an hour is only, like, six bucks um, in inflation. So they talk about Keith only getting paid about $2.50 an hour. That's only, like, six bucks. Uh, So either they're wrong or yikes. So minimum wage has always sucked. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. Okay. I don't know if we can answer this one. Uh, How do Will's flashes work? I still don't know. Like, he literally just, like, flits into the upside down, right? Well, I think it's because there's, like, remnants or whatever in him of the, like, of the upside down because of how they found him at the end with, like, the thing on his mouth. Yeah. So I think it's because, like, even though the whole thing doesn't go in until later in this season, mm-hmm. I think it's because he's, like, they're so connected mm-hmm. already. So is Dr. Owens correct in it being, like, PTSD and the anniversary thing? Or is it, like, like when when exactly do these remnants come through? Like, is it a, is it a triggered type thing? I think it is. it gets worse because of the anniversary and because, like, whatever is growing down there gets... Tr- has gotten stronger like over the last year. Or something. But I do think that he 
that, that it has happened for, for him at random points in this gap year. Yeah. Because at the end of season one, you see him spit up the slug. That was at and Christmas. And flash to that. And that's yeah. only at Christmas. So, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that also him being more emotionally vulnerable means, like, at this specific time, means that the veil is very thin between them anyway. Yeah. So, this is, like, a good opportunity because he's the most vulnerable mm-hmm. for the Mind Flayer to get in. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Mike is the one to snap him out of that, and it seems like Mike really is, like, his kind of rock this season, as long as he's still him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think that's I think that's good for Mike also, because he needed to kind of see that while he misses Eleven, Will is right here, and he, w- he went through something traumatic, so, like, it's good for Mike to be, like, there for his friend because if his whole storyline had been moping about 11 i would have lost my mind yeah exactly yeah um especially when like if his only thing is all about 11 like as soon as like 11's gone and like even when 11 is like fully off yonder Mm -hmm. then you know at least he has the storyline with will yeah so somebody actually wrote zombie boy on that newspaper and chose to put that in will's locker found out where will's locker was yeah and chose to put it in his locker that's like that's called bullying what a loser yeah. that is not nice i'm like first of all zombie boy isn't even an original also like, like also cool. pretty cool also like why do you care yeah like i lived bitch yeah exactly yeah it's like you're calling him zombie boy you're the loser who literally came up with a nickname to bully another kid yeah do the kids next episode in Trick or Treat Freak, do they call him Zombie Boy? Like, is it? I think when they, like, so, when he gets pushed down and stuff. Yeah, I'm so pretty it's like sure potentially implied that it was them who did that. Or just like, older kids. or just that that's, that's like bullying what he's called now yeah. around school. Gotcha. Um, so the kids are actually interested in Mr. Clark. Like, unlike any of the other kids in class, like his kids are super pumped to be there. They sit in the front. Mm-hmm. They, like, it's so sweet. And then he says that Max is joining their curiosity voyage. Like, he calls curiosity doors. Curiosity voyage. Mm-hmm. Her name's Max, not Maxine. And then, so they all, like, as she walks back, they all stare at her. And I remember when I was rewatching this, doing my notes, I just, like, got this, like, swell of love for season two. <laughs> I love season two so much. I probably... It might just be, like, a nostalgia thing because I, I don't know, I just love season two so much and I've had more time with it, but, like, I prefer season two to season three. I just love season two. Uh, I, season two and season three both slap mm-hmm. very hard for me. Like, I love them both. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I could pick. Yeah. Uh, girls don't play video games. Incorrect. Yeah. I'm so tired of that. I but, love that they immediately subverted it, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Really cute. But I I think it's weird that, like, you know, there's this whole stereotype on, like, gamer girls, and Lucas and Dustin already have a crush on Max when, like, they haven't met her. Mm-hmm. They don't know her. All they know is that she plays video games, rides a skateboard, and has a garbage brother. And, like, right. that's it, you know? So it's like, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I, too, am attracted to women who can kick my ass. Yeah. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Not, not you, buddy. Here's the <laughs> hey. Here's the thing about not Lucas and Dawson, but about gamer dudes in general. They are mad one that they can't f- those women, or two that they want to f- those women and they won't. Like it all comes down to how like sl- like can you sleep with that person? And so like that's where the there's no such thing as gamer girls because girls can either be hot and uninterested in games or ugly and interested in games. One you want to f- and one you don't. And it literally always comes down to that. Yeah, that's where that whole culture comes from. It's it's crazy. So it is upsetting. I think we already know this, 
what is Mike's problem? What's Mike's gripe? He just doesn't want another girl to take Eleven's spot? Like, is there anything more to it? No, I I think it's it's plain and simple that he just doesn't want another girl in the party because, like, they had a girl in the party and she left. And, and she was the heart. perfect girl to have in the party. And right. as you know, all girls are interchangeable. Right. Right. Well, and he, he's, like, got his heart broken because she's gone. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's gonna have a little fit about it. Yeah. Max is like, well, that's cool, but I'm different. Mm-hmm. And, like, she is different. She like, is they're completely different, different people. She's yeah. a totally different human being. There's a difference between I'm not like other girls and I'm not like other girls. I'm like, not like that one other girl. I'm my own person. Yeah, and judging right. me based on that is kind of crazy. And, like, Max has no intention of, like, replacing anybody. No. She just is new in town and wants a friend. Exactly. I'm new in town. <laughs> but so she... Gives them a, basically, like, an escape room or something (laughs) that's just, like, it's, like, a thing that says stop following me. Like, (laughs) but I love this because, like, even though it is a little weird, it's funny and they had to get us to like her. Like, that's their whole point of this episode. It's called Mad Max. Mm -hmm. The whole point of the episode is to get us to like Max without even, like, hearing her speak. Right. And they do it, like, immediately. I already love Max. Exactly. She's clever and she can roll with the dudes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I liked the moment where, if I can keep bringing up, like, little Mike and Will details, mm-hmm. where Mike notices that he's quiet today, and they say he's always he's quiet. He's always quiet. But, but Mike can tell that he's, like, like, extra quiet. There's a difference. Yeah. Dustin already knows that Lucas is trying to date Max. What do they like about her? Just that she's good at video games, and she's, like, snarky. And she's she's good at video games. She's pretty. She's, like, they probably know all the other girls in their grade, so there's, like, a level of mystery. Right. Billy is a bad driver. Yes. Them flipping each other off, like Billy and Max, is one of my favorite ep- moments in the episode, if not the season. Yeah. Like, the yeah. part where, like, it's a, it's just a wide shot of, like, her getting out, and then, like, it's just, like, great. It's, it's comedy. It so perfectly yep. encapsulates their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Karen asks Mike to get rid of two boxes of toys mm-hmm. um, for the yard sale, I think she says. Yeah, I think so. He says that he didn't steal Nancy's money, he just borrowed it, but like we said before, he's not going to give it back. No, right. She mentions that he has cursed out Mr. Kowalski, plagiarized an essay, and a graffiti in the bathroom stall. So basically, Mike, after like this whole year without Eleven, he's having behavior problems. He's yeah. acting out. Yeah. He is absolutely lashing out for a variety of reasons, and most of them are because he, the girl he liked disappeared into yeah. a pile of dust. Mm-hmm. Which, like, Which, okay. Like, sure. That's a good reason to be like, messed up but it's also not a good reason to treat your friends like garbage so i prioritize but if if i can attach this to barb potentially Mm. this kind of reminds me of the way that barb's parents are in like it would be better almost if mike knew 11 was dead yes because now he's sitting here thinking that she could be anywhere he spends his whole life calling her yeah. Yeah, like, he probably plagiarized because, like, he had better things to do. Yeah. Which was look for 11 or think about 11. Like, he says it's day 352, I think he says, yeah. Which is, first of all, almost a year. Yeah. Um, so maybe he, like, waited a couple days before started calling, but not very long. But, so he calls her and he keeps a tally and, like, knows exactly how many days it's been. Mm-hmm. And, like, so similarly to Barb's parents, it would be better for them, and Nancy knows this, if they just knew that Barb was dead. Yep. Instead, they have to live in this weird purgatory where their lives are stuck. Mm -hmm. Where They're frozen. When they could be using this time to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Ted says, if your friends jumped off a cliff, 
would you or whatever. Uh, Mike did jump off a cliff. Yeah, I was going to be like, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He did. Um, So he's looking through his toys. He has Rory the dinosaur. He showed Eleven Rory in season one, so he doesn't get rid of that one. He also has the Millennium Falcon, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Toy, which Eleven also dealt with, so he doesn't get rid of the Eleven-based toys. It seems like he kind of gets the feeling to go over and start talking to her. Like, does he get a feeling that she's there? Right. I mean, she doesn't answer. I... I think it's more like he's doing something and he's like, he, yeah, he gets the feeling and the pull is just like irresistible. Like, yeah. He has to go do it. Like he's, he's just alone and he's thinking about her because he sees those toys. So he's like, go. I have her. to go do this. Yeah. So Dustin calls Mike on the wrong channel, obviously. And basically it wants to ask him if it's okay to invite Max to join their party yeah. to be friends with them. But Mike is like, I'm busy. I don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And Dustin says, it's not a dictatorship, I'm just going to do it then. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. And then the last thing I had for the storyline was just that there's something in the garbage. What <laughs> could it be? I wonder what that could be. Hmm. Interesting. I like what, okay, so like literally when Dustin rolls up to his house, I sat there and I was like, that is such a nice house. Like, it's so mid-century modern. It's up on a hill. Like, it's beautiful. But it's also all styled in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't see how beautiful it is because it's just got ugly, like, paisley everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. Will you tell me something about Patreon? I don't know anything about Patreon. Hey, Sam. Can you tell me about Patreon? Sure. Thanks. Uh, Patreon is this cool platform slash service where you can donate money to your favorite creators and get um perks because you're a patron. Cool. Like what? Well, if you donate to the Aficionados, you can get podcasts like at least a day early, possibly more, depending on when they record. Yeah. Like, so for example, this this podcast comes out like every six weeks, so it's probably going to be out it's probably gonna be done early, right? Right. Like really early, probably. Yeah. Like when you're, if you want to get this one early, you can just become a patron and you can get it like way before everyone else. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. How much money does that cost? You can donate as little as a dollar a month and you can be a patron. Yo, that sounds affordable. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And you can also donate as much as you want. So if you want to donate more than that, that's okay too. Oh, oh cool. That sounds great. And, and so where can I find this? Uh, it's patreon.com slash theaffectionados. Uh, and you can also go to their pro. I don't know where I was going with that. And what if I can't spell? <laughs> it's in the link for this podcast. It's in the description, right? It's in the description for this podcast. Oh, great. There's a thanks. Link. Okay, great. Thanks. Should we talk about, did you want to talk about team adults now? Sure. Okay. Okay. First thing in the morning, Hopper gets a visit from Murray, a crackpot conspiracy theorist that no one takes seriously. He says there's reports of a Russian girl in Hawkins with psionic abilities and telepathic powers. Hopper brushes him off, but the audience knows Murray has gotten a hold of the truth, which is, uh, not great. Joyce is still working at Mel- Melvald's? Yeah. Yeah. Joyce is still working at Melvald's, and now she has a cu- has cute bangs and a boyfriend. Ooh. They make out in the back, and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Hopper goes to check on a report at a pumpkin farm, and the farmer believes that a rival farmer has come and poisoned his whole field, which is, like, uh, quite a feat. Um, the whole thing is awful suspicious. Joyce comes to pick up Will at school for a scheduled doctor- doctor's appointment. He's not excited about it, and she does her best to comfort him. When they arrive, Hopper is already there because, let's be honest, he's Will's dad. The doctor even calls them mom and pop. Come on. 
the doctor has a good bedside manner, trying to make Will comfortable by asking him about Halloween candy. Joyce and Will agree that Reese's Pieces are the best. Will tells the doctor about what he experienced at the arcade and how the Upside Down seems to be encroaching on Hawkins and, like, plaguing his life. The doctor tells Joyce and Hopper, separately from Will, uh, that his current condition is probably due to the anniversary effect. It's been almost a full year since he went to the Upside Down the first time. He urges them to just treat Will like a normal kid and trust uh, his advice that this will all just work out. Joyce isn't buying it, but Hopper reassures her that this is the best they've got for now. He asks her about her boyfriend, eh, because of course he does. Hopper tells Joyce to call him if anything gets worse with Will. Do they know that their uh, friendly neighborhood science doctor is also still messing with the Upside Down? Uh, back at the buyer's residence, it's movie night, and Bob is playing around with his fancy video camera, and Joyce is making popcorn. I said it once, and I'll say it again. It's wholesome. The boys talk and then they have movie night and Joyce still gets anxiety every time the phone rings. Hopper comes home after a long day of doing emotional labor for an entire town and (laughs) (laughs) he has a special knock for entering his own home. Neat. It's a cabin in the woods, unlike his trailer before, and it turns out he's not the only one living there. Someone's eaten half an Eggo and she's mad that he's late. Eleven emerges and they have dinner. So, um, for my first beginning part, I just took some of the details from some of the things we had in the beginning, like the newspaper and the movie theater and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called the Hawkins Post. It is Rowan's Co- Rowan County's independent newspaper, serving the Hawkins area since 1947. Mm-hmm. It costs 25 cents, which is about 62 cents American now. Oh, so still cheaper than our newspapers now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and there's a Halloween article about Meryl's pumpkin patch. Of course, Meryl's pumpkin patch is the one that ends up getting all messed up, messed up later. Um, and the Terminator is playing at the movie theater. See you at the movie. <laughs> Murray and Hopper, they end up working together next season. They sure do. Yep. That's why, like, Murray walked up and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know it, but you're about to find yourselves in a really weird rom-com in, like, a couple months. <laughs> with each other but still you're both there yeah yeah Yeah, it's um it's interesting to see them now especially because like i'm pretty sure i ended season two like not really liking murray like i liked the Mm -hmm. moment i like the moment at the very end when when like he's sitting by the lab and he like waves to all of the military going by oh yeah finally wins and then like the one of the military guy gives him the finger like that that, that's probably my favorite moment of murray in season two victory Mm -hmm. but like they made Murray likable in season three, and, like, oh, it's yeah. mostly due to Alexi. Like, I feel like they gave us Alexi, we all liked Alexi, and then because Alexi liked Murray, and Murray was friends with Alexi, that's why we liked Murray. Also, Murray's tirades about how, like, right. infuriating Joyce and Hopper's sexual chemistry was. Yeah, I think that that really worked, because, like, we, as a household, don't really care about um, Nancy and Jonathan as a ship, so, like... When we got Murray in season two, we were just like, ah, this would be great if it was, like, anyone else. Yeah. And by anyone else, we mean John. Yeah. yeah. And then in season three, they were like, we heard you. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. We're like, hey, thanks. This is exactly what we wanted. Yeah. That is exactly the order I placed. Great. Um, We have Callahan back. And God, I love Callahan and Powell. So I'm so glad they didn't go anywhere. Oh, Callahan's one of the two idiot cops. Yeah. Yeah. They're hilarious. Callahan goes, great back. Got any proof on your butt probe and aliens yet, Murray? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you know what, Callahan? This seems right for you. At what point did Murray ever mention butt probing? I would bet you money. No, Murray but, never mentioned butt probing. I bet he did, though, because that aids to, like, how much of a crackpot conspiracy mm. theorist he is. Because, like, we're not supposed to take him seriously because yeah. no one takes conspiracy theorists 
seriously, but he's got something true. Shane Dawson's bank account would beg to differ. <laughs> okay, aside from Shane Dawson, you got me who has made waves for the conspiracy theorist community. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I recently, um, like if you guys didn't know, on our Tumblr, which is theafficionados.tumblr.com, I post gifts for all of our favorite line awards, and I just recently made a gif of Troy's mom asking Callahan, uh, what's your name, deputy? And Callahan going, well, I'm an officer, okay? Oh, yeah! I'm like, I just, ugh. It's just a good moment. Yeah, so happy to see these two again. Callahan puts together that he might be talking about Eleven. So, like, Callahan is supposed to look really stupid all the time, but he's, like, he he's a cop for a reason, you know? He, like, sure. he, he puts that together. But, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Hopper's like, what? That wasn't real. That was a prank. Ha, 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 ha. What are you talking about? <laughs> weird, huh? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Um, Hopper is the right person to have on the inside. Like, someone else in his position would have blown everything. 100%. Murray would have blown everything. So Murray brings up Ted, that Ted would was talking about Eleven. Um, he says that a co-worker of Ted Wheeler's was talking about it. Mm-hmm. So how would a co-worker of Ted's know about Eleven? Damn it, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, there were a couple people in the burger place. Mm-hmm. There were people at the grocery store. Yeah. Like, people would start to talk and put two, two and two together. Yeah. But another thing he says is that Ted now denies this. So it's like, well, at least Ted, at least Ted's doing something. Yeah, Ted probably, like, well, that's because Ted's a Republican. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is. He. <laughs> just took me out. Because, <laughs> like, Ted probably said something at the time when he realized it, like, before the government showed up. And then, like, when the government shows up at the end, he's like, yes, sir, you got it. God bless America. <laughs> and it's just like, sir. Shut up, Ted. What? Can I say something really sad? Yeah. So, Ted's son is Mike. Yep. Right? If Ted is a Republican, like, potentially that might be the reason why Mike is so mean about Will not liking girls. Oh. It's because he's heard it from his dad. Okay. He might have heard it from Ted. Which, like, frick you, Ted. Which, like- (laughs) We just made Ted homophobic. Like, there's no reason (laughs) he is. Ted may or may not be homophobic. But that's that's a possibility. You I know st- what he doesn't. I do? still don't think Mike is like. I still don't think Mike is mad at Will because he's gay. I think no. Mike is mad at Will because he doesn't want to let his girlfriend hang out with them. Well, it's like it's hard because like once everybody gets to that certain age, then we all want to have girlfriends or whatever, and it's like Mike just wants to deal with that. And just and because Will is different, then he doesn't want to do that sort of thing, and that's why he's annoyed. Is because like everybody else wants to do something, and Will doesn't. Yeah, and a lot of those There's opportunities also, also got stolen from Will that's because exactly of like his psychological state. Like a lot of like the last two or three years, which are key developmental years for kids and teenagers, he lost. Right. So like it would make sense that he wants to try and preserve a little bit of like what you know he perceived to be what he wanted the childhood dream to be, and he never yeah. got to do that. Yeah, like, I know he was only gone for a month, but, like, it feels like he got robbed of so much time with his friends, and, like, like they all moved on a lot faster, which is also, I think, it, I think it is both. Like, it's part of, like, what he lost because of the Upside Down, and part of, like, him being possibly gay, and, like, not going into that, because he doesn't think that that's something he's interested in at this point, because he doesn't necessarily know it's an option to be gay. I think there's a canon and a head canon here, mm-hmm. where, like, canon is, Will wants to be sort of forever young because of his trauma, and then the head canon that we're hoping becomes canon is, and maybe it's related to, maybe he's queer. 
Well, I think it's I think it's canon now because of season I, three. I think that it's canon somewhere. that he I think it's canon that he doesn't like girls at this point. You know, like maybe and I think I mentioned this in our big season three podcast, mm-hmm. but I thought maybe not now, but especially in season three, I thought he read his ace mm. like majorly. And they probably won't do that because nobody ever does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that's what it read at as like a lot. And there's a stereotype within like the asexual community that a lot of people believe that the reason why people are ace is because of a trauma. Mm. And I'm not saying that that's not true because that does happen to some people. But I mean, not all ace. But like not every ace person is ace because of a trauma. They're ace just because that's how they are as a person. Exactly. So I'm just saying that like that does happen to people. Um, and if that's what they're going for, then like, fine, you know? <laughs> like, sure. So I could absolutely also see him being ace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But either way, Will's relation to his identity is not the same mm-hmm. as, as his else. friends. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Murray believes that Barb has been kidnapped by spies. Can I just say like one more thing? Yeah. The only reason I like pushed back against like the headcanon canon thing is because I don't trust writers to do things like respectfully towards like our community. Mm-hmm. So I was like trying to manage my own expectations here. So like, I don't know like what I'm feeling about that, Mm -hmm. except that I want him to, I want, I want that to be like his reality. It's just, I so don't trust writers. You know what I mean? I mean, that's fair. I just also think that they gave me more than I was expecting already. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like, I was very nervous about them doing Will being gay as a, or even Ace as a storyline, because I was like, they're going to mess this up. I want them to do it because they're like, it's very clearly such an option in the natural, like, progression of things, like, in my head, like, when I'm watching the first yeah. two seasons. Yeah. I'm like, this makes sense. So, like, I wanted that, but I was very nervous that they were going to do it wrong, and I don't think that they did it wrong in season three, and I do think that they're like, hi, yes, we have opened a door. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Go I'm, through it. I'm that meme of from Grace and Frankie with Lily Tomlin opening the door, and I'm like, you've appealed to my curious nature. I'm opening the door just to crack. Exactly. <laughs> I just, I think it's, I think it was really important for them to do that in season three because I think it's really important to not make it as taboo as people think yeah. it is, like, talking about that with children. Right, because people are like, this is an adult theme, and it's like, it's not. Carol, no, it's not. It's if not. Mike and Eleven can kiss it's a human in theme. season two, Will can know he's gay at 12. Yeah. Like, yeah. it happens to real people I mean, I've done, I've done the research. Like, I identify as asexual, and so, of course, I've done the research as to, like, when do people usually have these feelings? Right. Am I a late bloomer, or have I completely missed it? And it's 10 years old. Exactly. I found out, I, I realized I was ace at 18. I was like, I kind of missed the window, you know? <laughs> some people don't figure it out until way later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people, like, some people you can look at your kid at four and go, oh, Okay. And the kid will also know. Yeah. Right. You know? It's just like, it, it's any age at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, we should feel comfortable talking about it at any age. Yeah. Like, literally, whenever everyone's like, you don't know that person's gay, I'm like, well, when did you, f- you know, figure out that you were straight? So, you know, exactly. Like, it's like, like, did you have a crush on Timmy in first grade? <laughs> yeah. Like, all right then. When did you know? <laughs> like, when, when, when did you come out? You know? Yeah, so people sexualize it far too often, and that's why they're like, oh, we can't talk about this with children. But then they're like, you don't have to sexualize it. It's just a feeling Mm -hmm. of, and like, a existence as a person. Mm -hmm. So anyway, like I was saying, Barb was kidnapped by (laughs) five. I guess. 
Hopper is talking to Murray, but he's finally interested in what Murray is saying. And so he mm-hmm. starts making noise over top of him speaking. Who does he think is listening? The government. The gov- Does the government have a microphone in his office? I think the minute they recruited Hopper, Hopper resigned to the... Wait, but he's literally hiding L. Like, at the end of last season, he, like, got in a car and we were never told what that was about, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's still kind of unclear. Yeah. What kind of deal he made with the government or whatever. Uh-huh. Or maybe he, like, maybe he made a deal to get Doc What's-His-Face. Like, Owens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. No, his yeah. name is definitely Doc What's-His-Face. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> but, like, I don't know, maybe he, I, I, I still don't understand completely what the, the, that was at the end. But I think he's, like, maybe just paranoid a little extra because he's worried about them finding Eleven because he hasn't, like, secured her safety mm-hmm. from the government. Yeah, right. Yet. Um, so he's, like, double-edged sword kind of situation there. Mm-hmm. Hopper tells him to stop stealing from the Hollands. And he's not. He's, like, I don't know how much money they're paying him, but he's he's doing the work. He's actively yeah. doing the work. And you kind of have to respect him because even though he's not on the right page with Barb because she's dead, like, mm-hmm. a lot of the things he's getting is actually right. So... He's doing the job that he was hired to do very well. Mm -hmm. The problem is that he will be stopped from doing it. Like, out of context, Murray is supposed to sound absolutely batshit in this moment. But because we've seen season one, Mm -hmm. uh, we know that, like, there are bits of truth in there. So, Mm -hmm. like, this Russian girl, she's not a Russian girl, but she's But now that we've seen season three, we know Russians are involved. That's true. Well, and, and, like... It makes absolute sense that they that he would immediately jump to Russians because this is the time of like the Cold War and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they had some Russian stuff in season one, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were using it to spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why they were experimenting on Eleven. Was yeah, that's why they were spying on like creating people like Eleven so that they could get a leg up in the Cold War. And there was a lot of talking about like just saying like these um, sweeping statements that happened, especially um, at this time when when they say the Russians like. We know they're not talking about all Russian people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, for example, at the end of this season, Steve says, oh, yeah, the Germans. And Dustin's like, no, the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Dustin, you're like 12, but like, good for you. Yes. Yeah. You know, Dustin, why do you know these things? But also good for you for knowing these things. Yeah. Dustin paid attention in history class, guys. <laughs> yeah, he pays attention. Well, if anyone was gonna. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dustin is the Hermione of this group, perhaps. Which that's, is so weird. That's Lucas. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I feel like Lucas might be the Harry. Oh, okay. Hmm. No. Will is Harry. He's the chosen one. There's a lot of variables here. Um, I think that potentially- Dustin is Ron. I think- I think- I think- What am I trying to say? Lucas is Ginny. I can't mm. stop thinking about a tweet. I could see that. I can't like, book Ginny, not movie. Yeah, Jenny. obviously. There's okay. this tweet where someone's like, something is something is like the Ron Weasley of whatever, and someone's like, for a dollar, read another book. And he's like, damn it! <laughs> It's like, at us, oops. Or we can say things that a lot of people relate to. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. There's no way Will is the Harry, though. Like, if anybody, it's supposed to be Mike, you know what I mean? Ugh. But it's not. Yeah, but I don't accept that to be true. See, that's why I said Lucas. Yeah. I would, I, I'd be cool with that. Okay. Anyway, like it matters. <laughs> so we're in Melvald's, um, and Melvald's sells the masks that Callie's friends had. Oh. Or at least some of them. I am intrigued. And like we get fact. Bob, who's played by Sean Astin. So this is from IMDb. Mm-hmm. Sean Astin, this is something that a lot of people like already like kind of have. Yeah, sure, sure. But um, I haven't seen these movies, so I can't really 
speak to a lot of it. So Sean Astin's involvement in this season reflects two other major points in his career. The four kids are reminiscent of the kids in The Goonies. The Goonies which was Aston's breakthrough role. He also appeared in Lord of the Rings. I have seen Lord of the Rings, sorry. Uh, the books are referenced in the first season with references to Mirkwood and Radagast, but obviously the films hadn't come out at that time, so they couldn't be like, you look a lot like Samwise if yeah. he was old. <laughs> That's cute, though. Yeah. <laughs> love, love, love the Goonies. Uh, love that movie. That movie um, scared me when I was a kid. Interesting. <laughs> E.T. scared me as a kid, but... Oh, that makes sense. He's scary looking. Yeah, but The the Goonies is great. Like, it's just a good adventure movie. Agreed. Why would you want a jack-o'-lantern in any other color than orange? Um, it's called Aesthetic. Look it up. I had... I didn't have a jack-o'-lantern, uh to carry around and when I went trick-or-treating I had a cauldron because I know what I'm about son oh I had a pillowcase I had a pillowcase because I know what I'm about and it's that it holds a frick ton of candy and then you twist the top up and you swing it <laughs> <laughs> I also lived in the middle of nowhere so we didn't really like oh you get didn't to go to like like we didn't walk around our block or anything mm. we went to like four houses in our neighborhood and then we drove and like did one street in town where my grandma lived mm-hmm. and that was it yeah oh man we would be like so like my cauldron got full but you had to do, put work in yeah mm-hmm. whereas we would go across to the rich neighborhood and we would go through like the rich neighborhood and you get good candy and then you hit valley view drive mm-hmm. and that's where all the mansions are and that's where the full-size bars were mm-hmm. so you hit valley view drive and then you go home and your mom takes all your caramels uh, upsetting that's her favorite we went around, we would just go around my block and, well, like, first you had to do the inside of the block and then you got to do the outside of the block, mm-hmm. obviously. Naturally. Um, and then after that, we usually had, like, a lot of candy without having to do that much walking, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would get in the car and leave one parent there to keep giving out candy and the other parent would drive us to our grandma's house and then our other grandma's house and then, like, a few family friends' house and then we would mm-hmm. come home and eat our candy. Oh, y'all cleaned up. Nice. Mm-hmm. Proud of you. We, we basically went until we couldn't walk anymore. Oh. Yeah, we, we, we hustled. Because, like, I lived near a school. So it was just all families mm-hmm. all around. So mm-hmm. it was just like, candy, 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 candy. We had candy until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob wants her to come work at Radio Shack. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't have been a more profitable job for her. Y'all, I just realized a thing. Okay. So Bob is like, you, you should quit this job and come work for me. And in season three, Hopper is like, okay, you know what? I want you to quit uh, sales and come work for me at Hawkins Police. Ah! ah! She's like, I've heard that one before. So then they start talking about their- And he left me too. Then they start talking about their time in high school. Time to speculate. Awesome. High school thoughts? Uh, Joyce was absolutely one of the cool kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, and not like a cheerleader type cool, but like, I'm too cool to be here. What is a writer cool? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically. Yeah. Uh, and Hopper was also in that crowd, hence the, the smoking conversation that comes from, like, I think the next oh, episode. Right, duh. And Bob was absolutely a nerd. Mm-hmm. AV club for sure. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Bob probably had a crush on her then, mm-hmm. and she probably didn't know who he was. Yeah. Outside of, like, making fun of him as Bob the Brain. Right. Bless his heart. So it's but, like, be- I do think that Bob and Joyce is, like, how you do the nice guy storyline correctly. Completely right. See so, more on that. So, like, Bob never, he, he literally is just actually a nice guy. Yeah. And, like, he, he, if he had a crush on her since high school, he doesn't make it weird. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't make it, like, ha-ha, I won. Yeah, he doesn't make it, like, ha-ha, I won. He doesn't make it, 
Like, he doesn't shame her at any point for, like, being too cool for him. He's just always so nice and, like, genuinely in awe of, like, being able to be her boyfriend and, like, do nice things for her. Yeah, he got the girl. Yeah. And, he, and he's just really proud of her and likes her a lot. Yeah, he, like, there's there's nothing sinister about what Bob does. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the nice guy stereotype is, like, no, you're actually an asshole. But the Bob nice, is just genuinely yeah. a nice guy. Like, the nice guy stereotype is, you own me. Yeah. And you will always owe me as a woman. And yeah. I'm like, ew. And they didn't do that. Bob was just such a good person. Yeah. And like, they introduced Bob and I was like, ew, no. She belongs with Hopper. And then the more we got to know Bob, I was like, if they get married, I won't be upset. I love yeah. this. <laughs> right. It's just like, they, they managed to do the nice guy thing without it being gross. And they managed to also do a love triangle with that I was just like, I'm enjoying this the entire toxic. time. It wasn't toxic in it any way. It wasn't toxic. Like, it was respectful. It was wonderful. Like, Jopper never, like, Hopper never makes it weird either. Like, you can tell there's sort of, like, a wistful, like, I kind of like her situation, but he doesn't make it gross at any point either, and which so is great. so much of that is, like, David Harbour, like, shipping Hopper so much. And, and David Harbour. Jopper. I'm like, oops, sorry. <laughs> and this, that's just the way he looks at Winona Ryder anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. so. And really, who can blame him? Have you seen exactly. her? Exactly. She's an angel. So it's movie night. It's Jonathan's night to pick, which tells us that this has been going on for a while. Yes. Yeah. Gives us the that sort of exposition without yeah. saying it. Like, they've probably been dating for a few months at mm-hmm. least. And, yeah. like have regular movie nights and he says that he hates scary movies i relate relate. so meryl's pumpkins are all rotted he thinks it's been eugene that damn eugene well guys who do you think it was (laughs) Hmm. i think it was callahan like in terms of no in terms of (laughs) answers you're never gonna pick i don't know a weird supernatural force underneath right earth so like it's we this is again another moment where we're like we as the audience know that there's something extraterrestrial going on here while this farmer guy is just like i i really can't think of another op uh, like reason for this except for my competition coming to like mess me up and (coughs) (coughs) and i'm like all right buddy i get it like that makes sense because what else are you gonna go on here speaking of hey buddy um They meet Hopper at the lab, mm-hmm. um, and when Hopper sees Will, he says, "Hey, buddy." Yeah, and Will says, "Hey." He's so cute. Um, he's he's their dad. Like I know he's not literally their dad, but Lenny. But sucks. he's the, like, yeah, Lenny deserves no rights. Uh, Lonnie, I believe. Lonnie deserves no rights. You know what? Lenny fits too. <laughs> They're good dogs, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> Because the name that they, that, like, they're good dogs, Brent? Yeah, I know. The, it's the just, guy's name is Brent. I know. I'm just, that made me laugh. Well, we said his name wrong, so that's where it came from. Are you? I just was like, oh, that's funny. I was like, she didn't get it? No, I, I got it so much that I was like, is there something I'm not? I love you both so much. Anyway, he, like, I know that their mom is dating someone else, but Hopper is their dad. You know what I mean? In the middle of season two and season three. Mm-hmm. When they were like, "Oh my gosh, what if Hopper got ma- or Hopper and Joyce got married?" Mm-hmm. And Millie and Noah were like, "That means that we get to be like step siblings." Ah, so fun! And then at the end of season three, they're like, "Yay, we're step siblings!" And I'm like, "That's not what I wanted. Yeah. It's not how I meant. You <laughs> did it wrong." Like, I got the outcome, but God, at what cost? Yeah, right. Figured that this was as good a time as any to bring it up. The way Robin feels about uh, episode seven of season two is how I feel about the last. 20 minutes of season three. Mm. I had a great time all day on the 4th of July. And then I got to that last 20 minutes and I was like, I'm miserable. 
Like, I hate this. This is happened. the worst thing that is that this is the worst way this could have ended. <laughs> um, Dr. Owens calls Will Sir Will. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, which is that's really great. Adorable. You should know, though, it is Will the Wise. Yeah. Uh, so that was your bad. Way yeah. to go, idiot. <laughs> um, I thought this was really interesting. He says, what's your favorite candy? And Will doesn't make a decision. Like, he just yeah. looks to Joyce and Joyce tells him to say Reese's Pieces. Because he's so stressed out. Like, such an inane question to him must feel almost asinine. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't give a crap about my big, like, favorite candy. I'm being haunted. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that that, though, is, like, a good approach from the doctor because like you also don't want to be like lying there and then someone just comes in is like clinically all let's get into it yeah like he he's very nice and approachable and he's like hey we're just we're having a conversation when dr uh this is from imdb when dr owens asks will what his favorite halloween candy is uh will says reese's pieces does he technically i mean he does but wasn't his opinion. Reese's Pieces was also the favorite candy of E.T. Yeah, I was about to say that was probably an E.T. reference. Mm -hmm. I also choose Reese's Pieces and that's just a meat reference. They're just delicious. I don't like Reese's Pieces. Gotta be the cup or else I'm like (laughs) or else I'm fat. I thought those were M&M's. They're both. Joke's on you. There's Reese's Pieces in it. I mixed them. Was I, did you give me some Reese's Pieces? I didn't intentionally. I think I got, gave you both M&M's. Yeah, I think so too, because I thought they were all M&M's. ASMR, me eating Reese's Pieces. It was weird to eat that many at once because <laughs> I've been eating them individually and sucking on them. And now it's just overwhelming M&M flavor, which is garbage. I like them both, so that's why I put them in the same bowl. <laughs> why, do you th- why do you think I've been carefully sorting? I've literally been doing this, checking for an M and then putting it in my mouth to suck on it. So I remember spending like all of season two wondering if Dr. Owens was a good guy or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Eventually it is revealed that he is a good guy, which yeah, is great. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. When, and when you rewatch it, you're like, okay, I can, I'm like, I'm okay Look, with this. All and, right. Like, I can trust you. You can see that he's a good guy. Um, But like, he is like already like a pretty good doctor. Like he seems to yeah. know what he's talking about. He has good bedside manner. Um, I like Dr. Owens. Sure. If he had turned out evil, I would not like him. But I do because he's a good guy. Yeah. At this point, I'm also just curious though, if if Joyce and Hopper know that they're like still doing things with the upside down. Right. I definitely I can't, don't think so. I can't remember if there's like a reveal when they find out or if like that's the reason that they go to them because like they can't go anywhere else because this is the only place that sort of gets it. I thought that Nancy and Jonathan came to the lab to get, like, information on Barb, and then they found out. Yeah. But I don't know if they communicated, because communication is a big problem in this show in particular. Yeah. I know that, I know that, like, they show Nancy and Jonathan, they're like, hi, yeah. look, this is, this is what's up. But, so I'm, I'm just curious, because, like, he, Dr. Owens obviously knows about the Upside Down, and they're allowed to talk about it with him where they aren't allowed to talk about it with anybody else. I also really liked really quickly that he uses Will's verbiage. Mm. He says upside down because that's the way that Will explains it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So I'm just curious as to like how much they're in the know on and like how much we're supposed to be like, "Mm, suspicious. Mm -hmm. I think they think that they've shut down all research into trying to get to the upside down and they're just trying to research like the effects of what happened Mm -hmm. and with Will, like Will is like kind of like their like patient zero Mm -hmm. and they have no idea that whatever information Will gives is being used to keep the portal downstairs like active. Do you think they're keeping it open or that they're trying to close it? I think they're trying to close it. I think they're I think they're doing what they're saying that they're gonna do. Oh, okay. That's what they think because they're like when I was rewatching, I was like, oh man, yep, and they're they're somebody's still going.
going in there, and then I was like surprised again that like because they just they were just, they're just burning it. Yeah. Okay. Which is like super ineffective. Yeah. It's like you rolled a, a one. <laughs> it's not super ineffective though, on account of it hates heat. It does hate heat, but it's like it's it's, it's effective not, in getting rid of it now, but sure. not in the long run. It's a very yeah. short term solution for a long term problem. Yeah. yeah. So Will feels like there's an evil watching him that it seemed like it wanted to kill. It didn't want to kill him. It wanted to kill everyone else. So I guess yeah. it it considers Will as one of them, basically, which I think is obviously... Hey, that seems worrying. Shown. Which I think that they, like, end up redoing that or, like, executing the that thought process, yeah. I guess, yeah. when they take Billy in season three. Right. Because, like, I guess it's kind of like Billy is their tool then, and then they just consume mm-hmm. as many members of the town as possible. Right. So, like, that tracks mm-hmm. with, like, the Upside Down's motive. So they talk about the anniversary effect. They want them to just act like everything's normal, even if it gets worse. Hopper says that he knows that PTSD is real. Mm-hmm. How would he know this? Does he know anything from when he lived in the big city? I think just from... Is it implied that Hopper was in the military? That's what I was thinking as well. They don't yes. imply it, though? Yes? Question mark? Because of something later this season where he they, like, go through... It's like a flashback mm-hmm. to when they first find the cabin, like, he and Eleven, and there's, yeah. like, some, like stuff in boxes about that. That would explain yeah, why so Hopper think, can do what he does. I feel like Hopper probably graduated high school or whatever in Hawkins, probably went right into the military because they graduated in what, like the 60s, 70s? Mm-hmm. Like late 60s, early 70s. And was probably maybe... <sighs> I have to check the timeline, but could have been in, like, Vietnam, mm-hmm. question mark? That That's would make great. sense. And then came back and was a, is, has been a cop since he got back from his, like, service in the army. Right. So, um, like, that would make absolute sense as to yeah. why he's had PTSD. Or he could just have PTSD being a cop in the big city. Yeah. Yep. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. Or, or either that or he knows people who have had. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, it could be PTSD from losing his daughter. Yeah. Because Lord knows that was traumatic. So he calls him Bob the Brain, which honestly doesn't seem like that bad of a nickname. Seems right. a lot nicer than Zombie Boy. Yeah. It sure does. It sure does. Like, oh no, you're making fun of him because he's smart. That's that's not an insult. Mm-hmm. And Hopper says that he's really happy for Joyce with her relationship, mm-hmm. but if anything bad happens, she needs to call him first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I think is very cute and not toxic at all. And I like that the way the three of them work as parental units mm-hmm. uh, together. Yeah. Um, Hopper doesn't wave back at Owens, which I thought was kind of rude. (laughs) Whatever. Um, Yeah, people are burning up, like, the upside down. It's not closed, which we kind of already talked about. Bob says that video cameras are the future, and he's not wrong. He is not wrong. We all have one in our pockets. Sure do. Um, No one thinks Mr. Mom is funny except for Bob. I love him. Joyce laughed. Kind of, but, but like, in a (laughs) kind of way. I don't know. I thought Joyce thought it was I've funny. I've never seen Mr. Mom. I have also never seen Mr. Mom. I know a song, a, a country song by Lone Star called Mr. Mom. <laughs> that song is good. Yeah. No. Oh, y'all are rednecks. <laughs> Joyce still gets spooked by phone calls. Which um, I think is like a great detail. Mm-hmm. Because like Will is literally sitting next to her on the couch, but. And she was just talked to about PSD. Or P- PTSD. PTSD. I was like, about Photoshop? Uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah, so like it makes complete sense that that would like 
fry her nerves. Um, all the lights start going off in the lab. I feel like we see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get the big reveal. Hawk lives with Eleven and has been for a, like a whole year. Yeah. Been keeping it from everybody. And has been like trying to raise her. Whether or not that was actually successful kind of still remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's doing his best, but Homeboy needs help and should have asked Joyce for help way sooner than he does. Right. Yeah. Because, like, the kind of parent he was, I was like, ooh, this is a little Cause like overbearing. And I don't think he intends, like, that's a, a symbol of, like, his trauma also of, like, losing a daughter so young is that he's overprotective. Oh, of course. It, to a fault. Mm-hmm. So, which is, like, just reiterating my other point is that he should have asked Joyce, like, very much sooner. Because I know he's overprotective because he doesn't want anyone to take Eleven away. But also, Joyce immediately was like in season one was like had a connection with Eleven and like comforted her in like when they were trying to find Will and like was always very mindful of like Eleven's well-being even though her son was missing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So like and she knows about all of this and knows about Eleven anyway so like he very easily could have asked her and just the writers chose not to do that Mm -hmm. which I think was a mistake. So he does Morse code with his knock. And I feel like we like have learned, like someone has told us what that means for Morse code. I put it it's, in like a Morse code thing. It's not on IMDb. It wasn't on IMDb. <laughs> um, but I put it in a Morse code translator. Mm-hmm. And so I think it means us. Oh, mm. that's cute. There were a few other things that it could have been. Yeah. But I thought us meant was like the best one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think. Their own secret code. Yeah. Didn't Hopper used to live in a trailer? Whose cabin is this? I think it's his dad's hunting cabin or something. Yeah, it's either his dad or his grandfather or something. I think it's a relative of his. Yeah. So he just like owned the property already because I'm sure this relative has passed away. Right. And uh, it makes more sense for him to live there because he can't put a kid in a trailer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can. People raise kids in trailers all the time. I I take that back. But not in that trailer. Like not where he was, where the government had been and like bugged and Mm -hmm. like it would have been an unsafe place for her. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that I had was just that he's supposed to be back by 8.15, which already tells us that, like, for the next episodes mm-hmm. that are coming up, that they he has she has, like, a specific time that she expects him home. Mm-hmm. And so I think next episode is when he's, like, super late and yeah. makes her really upset. If you break it, there's consequences. Yeah, because um, he's late on Halloween, yeah. And I think that whenever people use 8.15, it is a lost reference. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. And um, I feel like it probably is, to be honest. Okay. Especially when they use it, like, just like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my friends that I used to live with, we have a theory that everything is lost. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, every... You can probably tie every TV show back to Lost. And I I, I do. I would put it on Robin to actually make that happen. Yeah. But when people use 815 like that, like, so sparingly even, and just, like, just, here it is, like, I genuinely think that that's... That they... It's usually a Lost reference. Sure. Agreed. Um, Cool. So, now it's time for segments. Woohoo! My first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. Um, so I have a few good guy Steve alerts here. It's up to you to decide which one you think is the best guy Steve alert. Um, but I do have a few options here. So good guy Steve alert. Um, he might not go to college just to be near Nancy. Pretty cute. Not necessarily the best decision for him, but it's a pretty good guy. Mm, I understand. Good guy Steve alert. He misses Nancy even when it, when it's only been an hour. Oh, that's real cute. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Good guy Steve alert. He goes to Barb's even when he doesn't want to. Mm. No, that one's not it for me. No, I think that one's good. Yeah. I think that one might be my favorite. And then the the Mrs. missing her, her for an yeah. hour. 
I think it's really because he because she's like, no, we have dinner, and he's like, ugh, but he goes, you know, right? Like, I think that I missed you for an hour. That I think that one is the cutest, mm-hmm. but I think that like the most uh, telling of his morals deep down that's true is that he goes to like to have this dinner even though it's something he's obviously dreading and like dislikes doing every time that they do it and he's like nice while they're there he's yeah, like when no nancy, you yeah. don't have to cook this is delicious food thank you so much yeah and when nancy leaves he like keeps the tries to keep the conversation going even though it's kind of awkward yeah and like good guy steve like nancy probably spent like childhood times at barb's house but yeah. like steve never did like no. these are people that he only knows because nancy's friend is dead yeah so yeah good guy steve fair enough mm-hmm. and my segment that i uh made up today and i think i think i did this on the pod from season yeah. one that i guessed it on and i'm just gonna make it a permanent thing mm-hmm. since i'm permanent um guest now yeah did joyce and hopper acknowledge their obvious history and i'm gonna say yes because mm-hmm. Hopper asked about her boyfriend from by using his high school nickname. Right. Which implies that they called him that in high school. Sure. And that he's also interested in her. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, so my segment is which MILF was the most badass? And it was Joyce. And then my second segment is how insufferable was Jonathan in this episode on a scale of like 1 to 10 cameras? Yeah. What I want to say? Uh, well, uh, it can be whatever. Like maybe the 1 to 10 uh, one Reese's to ten. Pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, regardless, he was pretty chill. So I mean, just one. Like... If zero, if possible. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's very nice. I'm happy for him. Now it's time for our best, best line award. Uh, my best line award goes to Murray and Hopper for... I talked to a big buy ex-employee who said some little girl shattered the door with her mind. I heard that story. Did you hear the one about the fat man with the beard who climbs down chimneys? Chimneys? <laughs> <laughs> Good that's that's a great good. one. That's pretty good. And my honorable mention goes to Jonathan and Will for... I'm a freak. Is that why you don't have any friends? I, I have, I have friends, Will. <laughs> I have friends. They're not Sir, here. For a dollar. Name a friend. <laughs> it's like, where are they, John? They live, they go to school in Canada. What are their names? <laughs> uh, and my favorite line award goes to Dr. Owens for... Sir Will, how are you? Mom? Pop? And uh, my honorable mention goes to Joyce and Hopper for... How's uh, Bob the Brain? Don't call him that. And my favorite line award goes to Dustin for... Dusty! Mom, please, it's an emergency! Ah. Ah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you are so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. We like those. Um, or fill up the... Or or and! And or fill up the survey, <laughs> which will be uh, located in the description box below. It just tells us what you like and don't like about the blog. Yeah. Even if you like on iTunes, if you just want to give us those little stars, you don't even have to write anything. Just give us those nice little stars. I like yeah. stars. <laughs> If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. We did seasons four, five, and six. We're going to be doing the final season, which is seven, and then we're going to be going back and doing the first three, which I am super excited about. (laughs) If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show, too. Uh, It's delightfully chaotic. Uh, We enjoy it, and we talk about it way more than any normal human should. Um, Sam is also a permanent uh, guest on that one as well. Yes, I am. Uh, I also write for reviews for Riverdale at TelltaleTV.com, which you can check out um, on the internet. Um, (laughs) And we also do a live stream every Tuesday for TV Co. So you can check us out there because we are apparently obsessed with Riverdale. (laughs) 
<laughs> not even apparently. Like, it's just, when when Riverdale was about to start back up, I literally was like, hey, all my followers are on Twitter, just so you guys know, like, this is literally about to uh, take over my brain, so just so you know. <laughs> like, I will admit to being obsessed with snake parrots, but I never set out with the intention to be this level of involved with Riverdale, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. I just don't, I not. I didn't get here with any intention. Yeah. Without any intention, but yet here we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. It is by far our longest podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we are just finishing up season two right now. Yeah. And that one is released monthly. Mm-hmm. And then, if you are also a fan of Star Trek, we are doing a Star Trek Picard podcast in 2020. So you need to get into it, okay? This episode is actually coming out on the 15th, and the first episode of Picard comes out on the 23rd. So well, it's it premier- coming out. It premieres on the 23rd, so it won't be coming out on the 23rd. <laughs> Also, if you haven't, I was, saying, I was oh, saying the episode of the show, the first episode of the show. Oh. Also, if you haven't watched any Star Trek, you can start anytime. Uh, it's on Netflix, and if you want to pregame something for the Picard show, you can watch uh, the Next Generation because that'll probably be really relevant because it's about Picard. Watch and Voyager. It, you should also watch Voyager because I like it's that very good. Most. And also, if you don't want to do that, you can also come into any Star Trek at any point. And so if you start watching Star Trek Picard in January with us, you can do that with no context other than the show that you're watching at that moment. Which is me. Yeah, I was like, oh, if you're looking for somebody to relate to on the podcast, uh, it's me. (laughs) You'll be confused and probably hate it. Mm -hmm. You can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, mostly Twitter. But like I said before, I make GIFs on Tumblr. Uh, of all of our favorite line awards, and I have a good time over there. It's a pretty good time. Yeah, mm-hmm. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you just spare a dollar, we would really appreciate it, because um, hosting five podcasts costs us $150 a podcast, and um, that's really ugly. Ew. <laughs> you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, but hopefully I will have the one without the underscore soon. Ooh. And you can follow me at Sam Casey's. Uh, that's S A M C A Y. No, C A. Can't spell her own name. In my defense, Robin messed it up typing it, so my brain was like, <laughs> "It's not your fault, but it's also not my fault." <laughs> you can follow me at Sam Casey's. That's S A M C A S E Y S. Why can't you spell your own name? What's going on? I have the zoomies. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's. Figure it out yourself. (laughs) It's in the description. (laughs) Join us for our next episode, which comes out February 26th. It is episode 202. Trick or treat, freak. Be nice to my friend Will. Sorry. (laughs) My buddy. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm so sorry. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.